screaming down the plain, and the waving wheat can sure smell sweet when the wind comes right behind the rain. to our daily gun show we come to you live every weeknight and chat about guns for about an hour maybe a little bit longer tonight since we're starting early uh, a bunch of the gun channels people are over in tulsa oklahoma for the world's largest gun show literally the largest gun show in the united states which probably makes it the largest gun show in the world and it happens twice a year uh, it's been put on for quite a while uh, by a family there at the fairgrounds, I guess, and uh, it's a really large building and a very interesting and impressive uh, place to be. So got people who are there in Oklahoma, and we got links out to some of the people on gun channels, uh, so we should have an interesting show tonight. Uh, we've just got uh, uh, Clover's wife, Armin, uh, jumping in from Tulsa. Thanks for joining. Is this the first time you're on the Daily Gun Show? And you made it. Yes. <laughs> not Yes, it is the first time. So what happens when you go live? I'm just curious. Does When you go live, does Clover push you out into the hallway? Or is he let you stay in the hotel right there? Um, He's actually sitting right next to me. Right on. Oh, we don't get any feedback, so that's good. This is actually, I think, the first time we'll have been live on the same show together. Cool. Yeah, usually he's probably hosting, or you're hosting, I suppose. Yeah, or if he's on something, I'm not on it. It's just, this is, this will be a first. I feel special. And Ghost obviously knows the <laughs> link. So. so then we got uh, Dog jumping in from Nevada. Thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. And even though you're not in Tulsa, I'm sure you can contribute to the show. So thanks for jumping in. We got Gary from Kansas normally, but uh, now down in Oklahoma. Thanks for the invite. You bet. Uh, you're back on hotel internet now, or is this something different? I switched back over to my phone, and I'm on uh, my cellular network now. I decided I know for a fact that works, so we'll just go with that. Right on. Thanks for doing that. Hopefully you got enough uh, bandwidth. What's your uh, plan like? Do you have time to be at a show like this all weekend, or are you going to have to ration it? Uh, I'll be good. I'm pretty sure once I get to the show, I can purchase whatever Wi-Fi I need. So. That's something we could talk about too. And then, of course, we got Clover, also from Texas, uh, who's basically carrying the bags for that guy's wife. And I guess he does some stuff on the internet. Sorry, I had to laugh at that. <laughs> and you're also on your phone. So you guys are both on phones from a hotel. And I was bringing up the map here to show you guys are up towards Claremore here. So where the J.M. Davis Museum is, and why can't I draw a blank on the other guys? Um, the Cowboys Museum. Roy Rogers? Will Will Rogers. Will Rogers Museum is there as well. So the show itself, uh, if you look at Tulsa, there's a couple of roads that make a square and then a couple of roads that make an X through the middle. And I always just think of the um, fairgrounds as being in that top quadrant of that like X that gets made there. So it's this big yellow splotch here, this blue dot. 
So you guys are what about 20 minutes away from Claremore there? Something like that. We're thinking, well, 20 minutes away in the middle of the night. Maybe a little bit. Yeah, assuming, yeah, assuming, assuming traffic's right. Yeah, probably you know less than a half hour. And then that guy's wife. All right, uh, Snob's wife just jumped in from, let's just say, Chelsea. Is that close enough? And you're muted also. Is that where they're from? Somewhere about a little bit further on than Col uh, or more. Chelsea. Yeah, right on. So uh, thanks for jumping in. And uh, we went a little bit early today, and we figured we'd invite all the Tulsa people to chat. So... Uh, I don't think there's anybody else in Tulsa right now. Uh, got potentially Raphael jumping uh, over this weekend, uh, Ghost, and Cycles on the way uh, to be there tomorrow, I guess. And you guys don't know Fatty with a firearm, I guess. I've mentioned it before, but I don't think you guys have ever... I don't know if anybody follows him. On, I think he does an Instagram thing once in a while, but mostly YouTube, I think, uh, and Facebook. One of the founding people on gun channels, and uh, he lives over in Oklahoma City, I think, or somewhere near there. And uh, he's the guy that told me about the 45th Infantry Museum, I think. And um, along with P226, now let me know about the Tulsa gun, uh, the Jam Davis Museum uh, in Tulsa. So, anyway, I think he's going to be at the show. So, he probably knows where the table is and will come over and say hey. Uh, but anyway, I don't think there's anybody else driving up or over or down or across to uh, be in the show tonight, right? Uh, no, I don't know. I don't think anybody's making it tonight. Now, there's some that are have said they were going to be at the show. And sadly, I would have to go through, and I plan on doing that, but I would have to go through emails and uh, text messages and Facebook posts and things like that to figure it out. But... Um, there should be, I don't, not as far as people that create content, but definitely people that hang around out there in the chats. There's been several that said they were going to be there. So, well, let me throw um, a couple of things out there just because I'm always one for talking about this new media and stuff. And they actually are creating content literally when they communicate with us in comments or whatever, uh, because they're literally putting stuff on the record. There's stuff out there that's helping our, our videos out. Obviously, a view is great, but somebody that participates in the platform by liking it or subscribing to the channel and then additionally writing a comment, that's gold. I mean, you can't ask for more participation from someone who's, you know, experiencing and, and watching your content. So uh, that's cool. But um, uh, I was going to say, you're going to start experiencing this. I'm sure you've already experienced it, but as you get bigger and bigger and your audiences grow, especially now that you're branching out to multiple platforms, um, I'm going to be curious to how you and Ghost and Gary and, and others are going to accomplish and deal with uh, feedback and comments and, you know, communication coming from multiple um, platforms or multiple directions, I guess. You know, it's, it's uh, good and bad. It's always like anything on the Internet. You know, it's, it's super easy and it's efficient, but at the same time it can then swamp you with... Uh, repeated answers and that kind of thing. So maybe there's some ways that we can uh, figure out ways to deal with stuff like that, like something like this now. Uh, I was just, as you were saying that, I'm wondering how a newsletter maybe could uh, be used to coordinate stuff or like that one thing you had with the that text service for a while where people could text you 
anyway, so there's always tools and be interesting to figure out how to uh, to deal with stuff when you got so many ways for someone to communicate with you about something like this where you're going to be doing something for the next couple of days. Uh, like Pink would, uh, on Instagram, he would say, I'm going to be at SHOT Show for the next couple of days, like give me the hashtag something or another, and then he could just monitor that hashtag. Maybe there's a way we could use that. We're going to be doing a hashtag usually as content creators when we go to Wanamaker. Maybe on the other side, we can come up with a hashtag for people who have questions or something for the people that are there. Yeah, that's a good one. We were, we were actually, uh, Gizm and I was actually talking at dinner tonight about what the, you know, what hashtag we were going to use for this, you know, this time around. So we've got to kind of figure that out too. What kind of ideas you got? Ah, uh, we actually kind of tabled it. Um, so it, it can be anything, you know, obviously, because we haven't really started it to speak of yet. Yeah, I ended up using the Tulsa GC meetup, which is one we used last spring, but we might want to do something different, or we could keep using that one. I'm not sure. There's a couple of things. If we use the same one all the time, it'll accumulate and get bigger, right? So that's an advantage. And you've got the ability to go in and look at the feed. You know, you go to Instagram, let's say, and, and search the hashtag, and you start going backwards through the feed. You can see the dates on them. And they're going to be grouped generally, you know, a big burst of them here, a big burst of them here, a big burst of them here, months away from each other as we go to the shows, right? So there's, I think, some advantage to having a single hashtag that grows over time. But on the other hand, it isn't um, easy to search if you wanted to go find November 2018 <clears throat> or whatever, you know, April 17 or something, you know, if you had that specific hashtag, you could, of course, find just the, the pictures from there. Um, I don't know if it's worth putting two in there, one that's specific to the event and then one that's more generic to the to the shows in general. That might be the way to do it, just to have two different hashtags. Um, you guys were talking about hashtags. What were you guys talking about hashtags the other day? And I didn't want to disrupt the flow but somebody said something about keeping the hashtags to the minimum. Then even I think it was even on Instagram. And there was always different ways to skin a cat, but I I don't think you need to fewer hashtags, except for the annoyance of having to type them in there or whatever. Um, if you don't have I think that was on Ghost Chat. That was uh, that was Ashley from Gunstreamer. And I think what she was getting at was when you put hashtags within the actual text of the description or comment or whatever. Right. Um, I think that that is the context in which she was talking about be careful how many you use. Because it can it can get hard to read. If oh, you, you mean just visually. You, yeah. 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 So I if know. you put them at if you just tag them at the end, that's that's a little different in my opinion. Oh, you mean like actually like blah 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 hashtag blah 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 hashtag blah 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 versus yeah yeah I think that's what she was talking about yeah yeah I got you I got you I won't do that a lot just occasionally I'll put one within the text but yeah that well, makes total thing, sense the other thing that I've seen people do and I don't know even though I pay a lot of attention to Instagram I've never thrashed or hashed this one out is they'll put all their hashtags in the first post so they'll just post whatever. And then put a whole mess of hashtags in uh, for the second, you know, for the first post. It's like their own post. Um, I don't understand that one. 
but it also makes first postman. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just saying it makes whenever somebody reads your post, the first thing they see is all your hashtags in the first post because it usually puts the first post you know, right there. This looks weird to me. Yeah, I, I've I've gotten a little bit of feedback when it comes to hashtags and people, you know, hashtags have a place because they kind of tie things together and, and all of that. Um, but as far as people being able to see them, I don't know that that they're they're re as receptive to people are that receptive to hashtags. It's like um, a I've gotten some feedback where they're like, "My God, could you have any more hashtags?" You know. Oh yeah, I mean that, but that's somebody like you know, like obnoxious who's just you know looking for things to complain about or Clay or somebody. Actually, I don't know if I should put them in the same category, but you know what I'm saying somebody <laughs> that's just talking <laughs> shit to talk shit. But then I don't think too many people are like, oh, there's so many hashtags, I'm going to quit following this account, right? Well, not if they're not if they're the end of the substance of the post. Right. That's what I mean. You just blow past them. Yeah. I can understand if you're like you were saying, if like Ashley was saying, if you're constantly putting them in the sentences that could be right. frustrating to read i guess but the thing is i don't think of hashtags um as though somebody's gonna sit down at instagram every day and then look for new hashtags and then follow them the same way you might follow a person on an instagram i guess there are people that do that for sure uh and i do that actually for some things i could see that being useful but i think where like the hashtag for example gun show you know if you were to include the hashtag gun show and it's a picture of a sword on a table with the guy's business card you know, that's the kind of thing that uh, it's maybe some people would say, oh, it's not appropriate because it's a picture of a sword. You know, so sure, you're at that gun show, but big deal. But if you put that hashtag in there and then somebody is you know, surfing, literally surfing, just letting, you know, being bored and letting their fingers let them wander. And then the click, 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 and they see gun show and they scroll down and then, hey, that's a picture of a sword and it catches their eye. That's how I think you end up getting people. And because there's so many millions of people on these platforms, that can turn into hundreds of views eventually. And it and it does take some some homework. That's what I was talking about on that show too. Is because every just almost dang near every time I that's I, I played around with Instagram a lot in the last couple of weeks, and it seems like the more I play with it, the more I, I I find hashtags that are that are viable hashtags that I didn't never knew anything about because it's weird things that you wouldn't think about, right? Because, I mean, you put up a picture of a rifle and you're thinking, okay, hashtag the make, hashtag the model, hashtag, you know, America, hashtag freedom, you know, hashtag the caliber, you know, stuff like that you think about. But then there's weird off-the-wall things that's not spelt right or whatever, you know, that, you know, you, you just stumble across and you're like, holy crap, there's 38,000, you know, <laughs> things with this hashtag, you know. So it's like it's a fairly popular it could get you some traction you know um just weird weird stuff that you wouldn't think about well one thing about the hashtags on instagram is it'll come up and say you know 17 people you follow follow this hashtag or uh post with this hashtag so it's just another thing to kind of alert people that you can follow that hashtag too hmm, i never thought about doing it that way Seeing what people are already searching for. We're talking about hashtags, so Dan was going to jump in. 
Yeah, I mean, that is one of the cool features with Instagram is that when you're entering in your hashtags, it'll give you an idea of how many times that hashtag has already been in circulation to let you know if you're starting something new or if you're catching something that's already got a following. I like catching new ones all the time. That's super fun and gives you people something to look at down there. And if you want to go back and find stuff, you can and kind of group things up real easy with weird hashtags and this weird stuff is easier for people to remember, I think, too. Um, so how uh, now that everyone is, well, except for snob, the, the snobs, I think is the, the correct way to, to say it since they're both here. Um, uh, but those of you that traveled to the show, uh, forget anything, need anything last minute, uh, anything that we can source or help find or or I can bring them. Yeah, we got extension cord and some tape to tape it down. Well, nobody's been over to the show yet. Uh, no, I that's that's on on schedule for tomorrow evening. Yeah, I need to know how many feet of extension cord you need. I did buy a roll of duct tape just for that. That's probably a good idea. Um, just because old duct tape can sometimes not be sticky anymore. It's what maybe thirty feet, maybe twenty-five feet. I'd say a fifty footer would be plenty. You know, you'll have a bunch of coils. Yeah, I've got I've got at least one fifty foot in the toolbox of my truck and at least two rolls of duct tape. So and that's common staple from the toolbox on my truck. So uh, I didn't even worry about having to remember that. I've got a heavy twenty five that's like a triple tap too, if we want to use it if twenty five is enough too. Yeah, it's probably just gonna be laptops and charging phones and that kind of thing. Um the squirt guns, we remember those. They're in my office. Right on. And uh, everybody get your cards or whatever. I know the gun gals got theirs. I pretty much went out on the tour and brought like 15 of my uh, Gunshot Loophole thank you cards. So I've been known to forget things myself. Yeah, we've got, I've got cards. Uh... You get the gun, the gun gals card. They're here, aren't they? I did get our gun gals cards. They're here, and I brought our original stickers. I've got some cards made up. Hold right on. And then I brought. Um, you're gonna have to mute. I'm talking. Um. Yeah, I brought some. I brought a little bit of swag stuff, and then I've got the uh, cards that go with the water pistols, and then we've got the rubber band with those on. So. Just that those things, like, folded on the table is the kind of, like, three-dimensional kind of stuff, especially being in the corner like that, that might bring some people over to look around. Yeah, plus I've got, like, probably 500 of those Eddie Eagles. Probably about to lose me and the wife both for about five minutes. We're about to go to a bad area. Oh, you're driving right now? Yeah, I had to stop and pick up my hoodie that I had made on the way home. All right, well, got a whole room, no dead air. So um, when's the plans for going to Hugo's? Or is that just every morning? Everybody's meeting there. Everybody's at different hotels this time, right? Cycle is going to be at the old hotel. You guys are up in Claremore. 
but you're in a different place than Gary. Yeah, we're not even in the same hotel. <laughs> so that might work to meet up at a place to eat. The tour is at 10.30 tomorrow. Is that right? Yeah. So so Hugo's is the bacon place? Yeah, it's a crazy awesome bacon place. It's like a mom and pop that only open from 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. kind of place to breakfast and lunch. And, yeah, their signature thing is if you order pretty much anything like eggs and bacon, anything with bacon, the bacon is going to be like a whole pound of bacon. Wow. See, I asked, I asked Clover on the way up here. I was like, so what's the, where's the bacon place that G was talking about? You remember the, oh, I can. Do I know? I'm in a street here. Oh. So, Claire Moore, zooming in on Claire Moore on my screen here. And Mm -hmm. the, uh, J.M. Davis Museum is right here. Uh-huh. You just come one, two, three, four blocks. And I guess it's five blocks, six blocks. And then you take this turn right here and there's you. So it's it's walking distance really, but a moment or two in the car and you're there. The only tricky part is to make this little turn and not follow. The, the road seems to follow this way. You almost have to make a deliberate right. And that kind of looks like it goes straight, but that's the only tricky part at all. And uh, jump over this little railroad track, and you're there. Okay. It may not be breakfast. It may be lunch tomorrow. We may have bacon for lunch. No, I went there and got a BLT, right? A place that has a pound of bacon on the plate for breakfast. I'm wondering, you know, BLT going to look like? Like three pieces of it. It's like the weakest beer. Hmm. No. LT and breakfast and just mix it. <laughs> okay. Are y'all planning to go to the Will Rogers one then? Well. As far as I know we are. That's what I understand too, yeah. Oh, okay. So that being a ten thirty tour, you know, plenty of time. Even if it's a two hour tour, you can be done before noon. Yeah. I say I'm a I'm a planner, and my husband is not. So whatever's in his head, I have no idea. So since I'm along for the ride, yeah, I kind of find out as as we as we do. Did that make sense? I understand. And you've been around enough to see that, you know, there it's tough. It's it's just difficult when you got a lot of people to try to say everybody get here at a certain time. It's just not gonna happen, period. Best you can do is, you know, get to the table sometime in the afternoon kind of right. So it sounds like it'll be a little bit different this time around with everybody not being in the same hotel, obviously not having physical lobby of the hotel to gather in, um, but it'll probably be up for meal or something, and then uh, go off to the hotels and probably have an opportunity. Yeah, I was listening to y'all's chat the last time about that. We've got to fix that for April. So that we can all be together again. Oh, you mean try to get it all coordinated so everybody's in the same place physically? Yes. 
remember, I don't know, did you get to listen in when we were first talking about it? One of my goals or one of my thoughts was to try to get everybody to like um, the same resort, like a hunting lodge type of place that's more remote from being a hotel, I guess on the outskirts of town perhaps, where mm -hmm. you go for like hunting or fishing or for like a wedding or something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just be able to get some kind of a group rate by just taking the whole place. And then my goal is to then, because we're all walking in there with cameras and we all have channels and we all have some amount of reach with our audiences, and try to get some kind of a deal where either we get it for free, ideally, or at a substantial discount. Because I'm thinking the hotels in town, they don't really have that much incentive to give us a rate. You know, they've got, they're going to sell their rooms. That's a big gun show. But not too many people are interested in driving all the way across Tulsa every morning to get to the show. I bet you some of those resorts, unless there's a wedding, they're just sitting there empty. So with a little bit of phone calls, I think it was five to choose from when we first started doing some initial probing around. The problem is those were super expensive compared to the hotels, if I remember right, and they were much farther away. But I don't know if anybody's really interested in that, but I just think it'd be neat to have a bunch of cabins or something and everybody can gather at their, like, you know, like I'm saying, is these places will have like a room or something where they have the, where they have some kind of office you know, retreat or something, and then everybody can go to their own little cabins. Mm -hmm. Or if we just do it in a hotel again, obviously that's pretty. Well, I, yeah, I'd heard you talk. I didn't hear about kind of like the lodging thing. I'd heard them talk about like the house and stuff. Because um, we had, I had originally planned this this past summer to go to uh, to Utah uh, for an essential oils convention thing. And we actually had rented out a, an entire house. And um, depending on how many of you went, I mean, you could fit so many people there. And we just kind of divided it between all of us. So it kind of broke your rate down, you know, pretty good. So... Oh, yeah. I mean, in Vegas, that's what a lot of people will do. And you get a house with, Hoss had a house one time with four or five rooms upstairs and like two more downstairs, a big living room. You know, it's a little mini mansion, so it's got a lot of living room mm -hmm. type of areas. Big mm -hmm. garage, and the worst part about it was there wasn't much parking, but because most of them were coming together, they were kind of carpooling a lot. But, yeah, it was like, came down to a couple hundred bucks a person. It was actually cheaper than if they would each had hotel rooms. First, they had a kitchen and a backyard and the garage and everything. You just right. have to be willing to kind of all be in a dormitory kind of thing where everybody's you know, sharing bathrooms and stuff. But uh, just super neat. Uh, I think it's super conductive to getting work done because you've got a living room. Everybody can set up laptops, have offices. You know, mm -hmm. and you've got all that time to brainstorm and network and everything. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I mean, there's got to be with now the... BNRB, I guess they call it now, where you, you know, people lease out their homes for the large enough home. Yeah, the Airbnbs is what, that's what we used when we did ours. Or maybe um, even two different ones that mm -hmm. are adjacent or close or something might work if you have enough people. Mm -hmm. I think something like that would be cool. Yeah, so. I think that could be a lot a lot of fun. You'd have a lot more room just to sit around and talk and not have to stay to a restaurant until it closes, you know. Yeah. Or have a giant bill at the end, right? Everybody can just buy their groceries for a decent price. And then 
Oh, yeah. Especially if we all came together and, you know, to, to cook meals and stuff like that. I mean, we're going to be together anyway. Um, I mean, just, yeah, fun together and, yeah. Yeah, and Armenthia could make into all this for us all. Hey, now. Quit, put, quit putting my name out there. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't volunteer for that. That's a lot of work, oh, by I the way. Yeah, but they look uh, so good. They are good, but it's a lot of work. <laughs> but I think something like that would be really cool. Um, I mean, because we're all going to want to be together anyway. Because at the end of the night, I mean, in all honesty, some of us are going to want to go to bed. Some of us don't. Some of us are still going to want to stay up and visit. If we're all in a group together or in a place together, you know, you you kind of have that freedom to go and do what you want to do, but we're all still there together. Even if it's a hotel, I mean, I could see the advantage of the hotel, everybody having their own bathroom and everything, but if we could uh, arrange it to where we have like a wing or a section, we're all sort of together where if we make some ruckus, it's not bothering anybody. And I think Psycho was one that came up with the idea of dedicating or just kind of claiming one of the rooms as a community room so that that you know, if we don't have like that lobby that that hotel had, hmm. really easy to everybody gather in. You know, use one of the rooms as the gathering room. You know, with a little bit of research, some hotels have like a little small meeting rooms and conference rooms. You know. Yeah, exactly. Be better for that. The uh, first time I met up with Foose, he, I was at the Wanamaker show, uh, and I had kind of hitched a ride with my friend Bob, who had a gun shop. And was just helping him out, kind of got to go to Tulsa for nothing, sort of a thing, right? Um, and so I was stuck at that hotel, basically, didn't have a car or nothing. And uh, it just lives hours away, so we just drove in for the day or maybe overnight that time. And uh, we ended up just BSing in like the hotel's, you see, call it like a little office area. Going downstairs. There, there's had like a glass door, so we, yeah. Yeah, that would be. That sounds like it was pretty cool. Um, so since we're chatting about the show, is there anything from past shows that you've learned and are going to do differently in this show? Hmm. Um. Bags or strategy or meals or parking <laughs> i like getting there super early because I'd, I'd rather sit there working on you know doing something on instagram or something or or just farting around because most of the time you can end the show especially with our press passes right snoop around or something even if half the tables are closed rather than have to park like a mile away yeah we parked a mile away last time and it's weird, like, um, I guess the people that live there just don't care. So, at least in my experience, you know, I'm sure I've been to, if you get there half an hour before it's open, maybe even a little bit more than that, the parking lot's almost empty. Like, you can get really close, and then, boom, everybody just gets there right at the same time. Oh, wow. Hmm. I don't know. My only issue was with my, the, the interview I did last year was with my sound. And I'm still, and I was going to practice tomorrow, 
Because I don't know. I'm still not sure, like, how I walk up to people. Like, hi, my name is Armenthia with Gun Gals. Um, or am I saying I'm with the media or I don't know. Trying to get my wording as to when I introduce myself or, you know. So, I don't know how many you did last time. Do you have any? I only did one. But I didn't come. When I came... You know, I came with Chris, but I didn't. I didn't come like as media last year. Oh, okay. So it's the other girls that were doing the videos. Yeah, I, okay. I only did one. So it's just like riding a bike. As soon as you do it a couple of times, you get the hang of it, and then it's just a matter of catching the nuances and playing with it a little bit and figuring out what you like, mm -hmm. comfort with, and then it gets to be figuring out what. Once you've got comfort with a couple of three different ways of doing it, it's just mm -hmm. a matter of picking the right way for that person, and then it's then it's. But um, my, my success at the Wanamaker show was having the press pass mm -hmm. available. I stuck it in a little kind of a window thing in my wallet that worked fine. And mm -hmm. uh, I would say, hey, your table looks really nice. I'm working with the show to promote. Or I'd say, I'm working to promote the show. Or what I say? I'm working with the show for promotion. Do you mind if I take a picture of your table? And I wouldn't even bother if they just look like they're angry. Some people just don't look like they're going to do it. Uh, unless they had something really cool, and I would probably ask them anyway. And if I was having a really good success rate, I'd probably start pushing it just to kind of play with it a little bit. Try to see if somebody who didn't look like they'd be interested would actually be interested. But, um, you know, if, you're, if somebody's got something there and they don't, and they look like they're smiling and, and having a good time, uh, just say, hey, I'm working with the show. And then at that point, kind of move to your press pass or kind of wave it at them. Working mm -hmm. with the show, you have a great looking table. Do you mind if I take a picture so I can include it in our coverage of the show? And that kind of covers all the bases. You're there with the show, and you mm -hmm. like their shit, and can we include it? And then sometimes, mm -hmm. every once in a while, like maybe out of 10 times, two times, they'll say something like, don't include the prices, or I don't want to be in it. But I'd say eight out of 10 times, I yeah, go ahead, no problem. And then maybe something like one out of 10, I'll say, but very, I think only two or three people in all of the show last time. Okay. One, one thing I didn't have last year is I didn't have cards to hand out. People wanted to know who I was. Or if you say, well, this is going to be on my channel, you know. Well, they need to know how to get to your channel. So this year I've got cards to hand them so they've got a way to get to my content and to know who I am, that I'm not just some Joe walking up out of the audience. I'm somebody who's legitimately there. So that'll help, too. That's a good idea. That's one thing I did get was cards, business cards printed before this, just for that reason. And you guys are speaking about cards. That's something I'll do to conclude it. I'll take a picture, or sometimes if they're down, I'll take a video or something. Now, I'm not talking so much an interview picture or something on the table, but I suspect once you've gotten ice broke by taking a picture or something, you can kind of get you know, the feel. If they're a real busy table, then keep going. If they're just sitting there bored, maybe that's a time to say, hey, would you like to do a quick interview? But uh, whatever you end up with, I'll end up with, mind if I grab a business card or two, so if anybody asks any questions, I can direct them to something to that effect. And then I get the business card, and um, they're, if I'm doing video, include it in the video right away. Or if I'm taking pictures, take a picture of the card, but with their table visible in the background of the card. It doesn't have to be in focus, but just uh, that way when I'm going through my pictures, you know, oh, that's the business card with that table I have six other pictures that are clear but this one i can tell it's from that and uh i you know for me organizationally 
that helps me keep track of which table which credit number and then I put the business cards someplace all together and then I'll take those clear three, like three ring binder pages that mm -hmm. like, you'll get for baseball cards or you can get for CD-ROMs and stuff mm -hmm. um, you get those for business cards they're super cheap I get them on eBay and I've got a stack like an inch thick for seven dollars or something uh, so those cards those pages don't cost nothing so I'll take a business card that has a blank back or something and I'll write Tulsa November 2018 on the top of one of them and then just include all those cards in a couple of pages and then I'll put a tab in a rearing binder and keep all my business cards from each event or whatever that way okay I could totally do that and I have plenty of those types of clear clear page things I used to extreme coupons so I have all kinds of special ones Okay, those are even better because sometimes people have weird, odd business cards. They don't even have a business card. They just have this little weird. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Now that I've been doing the Patreon stuff and the, the gun show stuff, I started grabbing multiple business cards because a lot of times you can kind of tell, you know, you start to hang out with people, especially the automaker type environment. Some of these people are like well into the business and they got it all down. Other people are starting or at various stages of starting a business. You can tell some of them just went out bought like 1,500 business cards and they're looking for places, stacks of them away. They need all the help they can get. Uh, if somebody's like that, I'll take a big stack of them and then as I'm sending out stuff for Patreon, put those business cards. And then that's just a way to get the word out in a real life way and also just to include the people on Patreon with Sounds cool. Sounds cool. Did you get the mail I sent you, by the way? I did have an envelope, but there was something in it, so I was waiting to open it on a, a video. So I don't know. Oh, okay. It, oh, that's fine. I just wanted to make sure that you got it. I'm assuming it's a stack of money, so I figured, well, I might as well give credit. <laughs> sure. Sure. It's a big stack of money. Oh. <laughs> uh. We just have that laying around here. I wish. I think another thing I've considered doing this year is I've got my big backpack that I carry most of the stuff that I need to have with me, but I think I need a smaller backpack just to carry around as I make my travels to, like, carry cards in, uh, you know, stuff that I pick up at various places so I don't have to hold it in my hands. So, I don't want to carry that big one around because it's heavy. I hear that. So, I've honed my bag, whatever, game uh, over the years. And things have changed. So, it's not like it's the same as it was back in 2005 or whatever. But uh, I can't stand a backpack. I don't like having to go through the top or whatever. I like that um, style, the uh, messenger bag style. And my messenger bag has like a zipper on top, so I don't have to open the flap every time. I can basically get straight down into it. I don't know what you'd call it, like a news bag type of bag. You know, like when you're a kid delivering newspapers, it's that kind of bag. And uh, I have, my particular one has some, like some pockets, let's say, towards your body, like on the back of the bag. So I can put something in there like a battery to recharge a phone or my business cards or a flashlight. 
and I'll have like a flashlight in there and a first aid kit, but otherwise it's empty. And then that way, you know, it's a gun show. So sometimes you're going to have to buy something because it's too good of a deal or, you know, I can buy this for five bucks and I know I can sell it for 50. You know, you're going to buy that thing. So um, I like having room for it and not have to be either carrying something in a hand, which I can't stand, or in some kind of weak you know, shopping bag, plastic shopping bag. I guess we can have the table, so we have a place to put stuff. I do like that idea. Um, the only disadvantage with um, uh, messenger bags to me is that the ones I have don't, the strap doesn't come off. I'd really like it if the strap came off and you could just carry it around like a briefcase, just for when it's like going in the vehicles and stuff. But uh, that's really the only complaint I have. It's not that big a complaint. I can kind of fold it up and wad it inside anyway. But if it had like a clasp or something, I could just really quickly unclap it, unclip it. I'd take that. I don't know. I just, you know, the, the way I mitigate a lot of mine now, of course, this is this is my third uh, third foray into this. So little bit a little bit different for myself and and I can't speak for ghost but probably a little bit different for him as well but um, with just your you know plotting your course with what you're gonna do uh, I'm not there to walk down every aisle and look at every table and shop I mean that's not that's not my intent of going to the show um, you know I'm gonna go first of all, and, and I think we were talking about this a little bit on the way up here, but, um, you know, I've got, I've, I've got a couple of people because of, of just talking about going on the, on this trip this time, I've had a couple of people from Facebook. I think I mentioned it the other night, hit me up. One is an ammo collector. The other one is a knife collector They both hit me up and said, Hey, I'm going to be there. Come see me. So, um, I'm going to go by and, you know, film some at their uh their booth and check out you know their stuff and so in doing that and then plus the i don't know four five six relationships i've already got with people that are going to be there um you know in in my travels with doing those i will kind of you know be back and forth between there and home base so to speak uh with the table so I will be I will be looking for other things as I as I do those. My my thought process is to is to try to get those knocked out as quickly as possible. And while I'm doing that, you know, walking back and forth and in between them or whatever, be looking for other things as well. I think that's a solid strategy. Because, you know, having like a couple, it's like playing Battleship or whatever. You know you got a couple of targets to hit, but, you know, you're going to get some, you're going to be walking past things on the way to it and back. So what's the point of spending time walking up and down all the aisles when you're going to be transversing right through the middle of all of it anyway? Yeah, it'd be, it'd be, it would be different if you were a cycle camp, you know, if you were there to shop. It would be, it would be different, but if you're there to, cover the show to, to help out the boost, to cover the boost, to put content out, you know, you know, at the end of the day, you're not there to, 
look for cool knickknacks and, and things to buy. Uh, I did that last time Sunday, you know, the last hour or maybe two before closing time, I thought, you know, I need to run around and, you know, try to find some stuff, you know, some little stuff for Patreon or, you know, giveaways or whatever, you know, and, and drop, drop a few bucks at the show. Right. Um, because I think that, I think that we probably should do that. Uh, we probably should spend a little money with, uh, with the people there. Um, that's a, another aspect of support and that, you know, helps keep the show going. So, um, you know, but yeah, it took, you know, it, it took an hour or two hours just to buy 50 or $60 worth of little stuff, you know, looking around. So, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, if you're there to shop, you're going to spend both days doing nothing but shopping. I mean, eventually, again, once we've got more people maybe and we're looking for things, you know, and we've got so many cameras there, we're looking for things to do. It'd be neat to send somebody out to do, like, medical stuff, right? First aid type of things, emergency stuff, and maybe somebody out to look for World War II stuff, you know, because that's the kind of thing. If you're looking for something, then it's possible. I mean, it's got to be a super fun show if you were looking around you're digging around for an m1 carving you know that'd be a great time at that show because you could walk past a good 70 percent of the tables that you can tell immediately doesn't have an m1 carving on it and that'd give you all the time in the world to dig around and rummage through the tables that might and bs with the guys that do and that kind of thing right so uh well and another cool thing that would that would be and you're talking about a situation to where you know in april may be that way and then november next year may be that way too but when we get up and we have, you know, 25, 30 people, you know, uh, like we did last time, or heck, even if we get up into, you know, 15, 20 people, you could yeah, do that. Active, then that's... Just to do, do something like a, um, you know, everybody make it, make it a point to get together and then everybody have like a, um, uh, I don't know if you could do it in a shareable Google doc that everybody could access from their phone or if there would be an app you could use. But everybody get together and put in that doc or whatever, certain things that they're interested in or looking for, whether it be to buy or to do content on or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And then while when somebody else runs across that, they can open up that app and flag it with like the table number or something. Oh, yeah. I like where you're going with that. And it'd be super easy because you'd set it up ahead of time with a spreadsheet and a table for each or a column, whatever, a slot for each table. And yeah, that'd be pretty neat. Yeah, and then you know you could just check that every you know every time you get back at home base or whatever you could kind of check in and go oh well, crap you know who's uh, well, over here seen so and so you know I was looking for over there so I need to go check that out. Well, I would think with with a situation like that where you have that many people, somebody would either be interested in or you could have a deal where people took turns being like the air traffic controller, the person or the phone operator, right? The person helps coordinate, make sure everything's happening. But that would be real simple to accomplish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think so that can help out. Uh, a, a show where we have again a real big participation with people showing up and um, you know being interested in doing stuff at the show. Uh, I've talked about it before, but one of my things I think would be super fun to do at a show would be to start with like a something easy like a penny, and then go around tables until you can trade that penny for something like an army man or something or a round of ammunition, whatever something then go around to the next table and trade it. And then each time you trade, you document it. You take a picture of that penny, take a picture of whatever you trade that penny for, 
go around for two days at Wanamaker and ideally you'd come up with a gun at the end, right? That would be the goal at a gun show. And then uh, eventually, you know, give that gun to some charity or something like Yankees thing or some other charity where, you know, the gun could be auctioned off or whatever, make some, some, you know, make it a nonprofit thing. But I really think that would be the fun thing to do. And then um, ideally that would be the kind of thing kids could do when they go to gun shows and they're bored or if they're looking for something to do at a gun show and they don't have money, you know, play some, the barter game or whatever that's called. Hey, this year they're going to have water guns. So they won't have to have money. Yeah, they can start with that. Right. Yeah. Trade a water gun for an M1 Grand by the end of the show. There you go. Who would that be? But then that would also just be so cool because then you'd have you know a way to document the jumps, and then every table would be mentioned that you jumped, and you know it'd just be neat because it would turn into a sword, and then it would be a some kind of weird rare magazine and I don't know. And then if that ever became an actual thing, I would imagine people could say, well, I'll trade you for this mag and I'll bet you if you take that mag to that guy, he'll trade you for something else he's wanted, you know, and and he could direct you to the next table, you know, because these guys, they all know what they, well, a lot of the guys know what each other have. Yeah. Uh, Ro Call said he couldn't find a beef jerky table. Yeah, they make a big point of it. They only have a couple of beef jerky tables, period, for 4,000 tables, and it's, I guess, the beef jerky that the old man likes, right? <laughs> right. That's what I've heard. Well, they uh, they charge pretty good for, like, non-gun-related or whatever tables, too. Oh, yeah. $100 more a table or something crazy. It's, yeah. it's they're not encouraging it. Yeah, because a lot of, you know, a lot of the little gun shows you go to, you know, and, and we've talked about this, and I don't know if it was on air, but we, I know we definitely discussed it off air that when I was doing gun shows, um, you know, of course, my stuff was knives, you know, um, you know, it was sort of gun show related stuff in a way, targets and things like that. But, um, you know, you see a lot of, you know, the, the candles and the, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to think in, in purse and uh, not even concealed carry purses, but you know, purses and, and jewelry and, um, you know, a lot of stuff like that. Uh, caps that aren't even, you know, gun related caps, for example. Right. I know Stacy last November bought a back massager there. Thing. Yeah. 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 They have, uh, like the, things where it's like some kind of liquid, a saturated liquid where you click the little metal thing and it turns into heat. You know, there's yeah, that's like, what, she bought one of those and then a thing that has an electronic thing with it. It was like a hundred bucks for both of them. Yeah. It wasn't a back massager. It's for, it's, um, for sciatic pain. Or go back to uh, November last year. They were selling drones, you know, <laughs> for off from stuff. Well, so having some insight to uh, hanging out with promoters and just going to a lot of gun shows, um, there's a couple of things to that. One, they pay a lot of money for that building, and it's the same amount of money every year or every session. So they've got to fill it. And if there's not enough people showing up with cool stuff, then they have to open their doors. Uh, then there's also an element of it where if they're really paying attention to their audience, they'll know what ratio of stuff they want to bring in to keep wives happy. Because it's the same as like when we go clothes shopping, we get bored and clothes shops. If they would have a little gun section, you know, we'd be happy. <laughs> so it's something to, where you get less resistance, I guess. If people are going to come in as couples, if there's something for their wives to look at, or 
know, it's usually the wives, I guess, so we're not being sexist. But because, uh, like you say, a lot of the times it's uh, gift type of stuff. And I guess the idea is that if they can find something to shop for that's, I don't know, Christmas presents or birthday or something, then you know, it's less resistance to going to the show for a couple of hours. Yeah, and, you know, I've noticed that about it, too, with the times I've been. It's a really balanced, it's a really well-balanced show. And, and not just from the perspective of, you know, female-oriented tables versus male-oriented tables or, you know, anything like that. But also when you get into manufacturers versus dealers versus collectors, it's, it's a really, you know, well-balanced show as far as the, the diversity of things that are there. Yeah, they usually have a real diverse selection of new guns versus collector guns and stuff like that. So there's something for everybody if you're into that kind of stuff at all. So Sarge jumped in. Um, have you ever been to Wanamaker? Absolutely not. I have not been, but it's on my calendar for, for spring. Right on. I didn't so, even know what it was. I mean, that's I, – I didn't know it, it – I mean – Yes, it's advertised, but apparently I missed all of this. I didn't know until I got I got started doing the live streams and got on got on gun channels and whatnot. I didn't even know what it was. I hadn't heard of it, so I'm super excited about next year. I just couldn't pull it off this fall. Right on. Yeah, feel free to jump in. We're just sort of guessing a couple of people are obviously at the show or getting ready to go there, and a bunch of us have been there a few times. People in the uh, people watching have uh, well, a bunch of them that are watching on the YouTube side have been there. Got cycle out there who has a link on the gun channel side. Roll call, uh, John. Both uh, gun channels members who decided to watch it on the YouTube side for some reason. But uh, all of us have been to the show before. So anybody feel and Dan was out there having internet issues. Um, feel free to chime in. Um, we've just been chatting about things that you know we might want to do or things we've learned. Yeah, I'm looking forward to spring. Like I said, I'm gonna we're gonna make our pilgrimage out there. Well, John Z saying you should make posters for the Gun Channel's table, offering free social media advertising for tables that would allow interviews. I think that's an interesting idea. We've talked about that for sure. I don't know if a poster is necessary just because it costs money to make a poster. And I don't know how many people are going to be working at a table and then get up and go read that poster. But I think that we've talked about how to approach people that we're interviewing or whatever and the concept of getting a second table or using our table in a way that, you know, portion of the time it's outreach and just a, you know, place for us to, to hang out. And then maybe for a certain amount of the time, we turn it into a little studio and uh, do some live stuff from the show and then invite people over. So we're kind of efforting towards that. And this is all stuff that we're learning. You know, it's not like there's a recipe for this that we're following. We're well, we go. We, you know, we had a lot of space between our table and then the where those safes were over there, right? And supposedly we've got the same table. So <clears throat> assuming we've got the same table, um, I'm going to talk to the people uh, over there with the safes. And I'm going to bounce them out about the idea of maybe being able to um, utilize their, you know, that area behind the safes. If, you know, that, that would hinder them at all. You know, just kind of kind of touch base with them, right? And then maybe get with uh, get with the Wanamakers about um, that would be you could do a backdrop there. You could almost set up like a little studio type setting there, which would would draw attention. 
Um, and then assuming you had the right paperwork, I mean, you could do anything from like man on the street style pieces to, you know, there could be, you know, there, think about the, the different walks of life of people that come through there. Um, and, and could tell stories or, you know, that, that sort of thing. So, you know, we would have, um, could put it out where, you know, we were looking for, for certain people, you know, to talk about, you know, you know, certain things. Um, so, and I think that would be cool on a, on a couple of levels because that would give a place to do, like I said, to do, uh, instead of having to do it at the booth, that's right there. When you're talking about sound, one of the issues that you run into, and I know my wife mentioned sound earlier, sound is a, is a problem there. Um, once you kind of learn your mics and learn the, I don't know, the physics, I guess, of sound, um, it's not as big of an issue. But if we were uh, backed up to those safes and had that little area there as like a studio area, sound would be, wouldn't be near a problem because um, it, would be, it would be walled off kind of, you know, in a sense. Um, so that would work well too. And like I said, it would, you know, ultimately that would kind of draw attention. People would be like, wow, there's, you know, almost like a news crew set up, you know what I mean? And that kind of stuff draws attention. So, um, I don't know. I mean, how cool would it be for somebody to go to a gun show and, you know, we're asking, you can ask an opinion from, from legislation to, um, you know, whatever the, the newest, you know, firearm that uh x company is putting out to the newest accessory to whatever you know and then you know of course there you know you would you could have waivers you could have different things in place just depending on how crazy you wanted to get with it i'm sure um and that would all depend on on talking with the wanamakers too to be able to to facilitate that in a way that they would be uh willing to let that happen but you know, that could be cool for, for everybody, you know, yeah. you could go yeah. there and you're, you could sort of be internet famous among your friends and family. Right. Well, but it's all about promoting everybody making it so that everybody's benefited from it and everybody, you know, it's accomplishing something. And you mentioned that the people that just from your coverage and you're talking about it, uh, on the Facebook platform, people approached you, uh, who you wouldn't have known. You might've walked past them, but you didn't, you know, we were able to meet up to that social media concept. So uh, as we develop what we're doing is gun channels there, you know, as a group of individuals working together to uh, work with the show to promote everything about the show, the Second Amendment, the show itself, the people that are at the show, like you say, the vendors, uh, and the, the people that are there as uh, whatever you call the, the guests, uh, if they're interested. But, um, you know, as we develop this, if we get to a point where uh, we're going to have, you know, you guys are going to be you know, hashing it out a little bit again this time. We'll be working on it each time we, we visit the show. And if we can get to a point where it becomes a thing, uh, then it can be, a, a, you know, ask your questions here. And now we have questions to ask people. And, you know, yeah. if it's, uh, you know, would you like to be involved? Then, you know, let us know here and right. we can schedule it. And maybe they give us a section downstairs like we were talking about at one time. Uh, right. you know, larger area like you're saying so we can create a little bit of a you probably just put up some blankets or something right like those uh, shipping pads or whatever and sort of a you know some pvc pipes or something just to block some of that noise and uh 
have a, a way to, like you say, kind of have something there that looks legit and, you know, has a presence and then right. with a couple of banners on it. And now it's, uh, you know, now there's more to the show than just the two days of the show. Uh, you know, there's the, 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 whatever we do there that, you know, is uh, available so people can see what happened at the show. So there's some, I guess, right. archive of the show. Yeah, and easily within a within a, a standard table there, you could set up three laptops. So you've got the potential to where you could, the studio was there, whoever, you know, brought the guest or wanted to do a certain segment or anything could go, could shoot it, and then set right down if they wanted to, edit the footage and put it out right then and there. Yeah, well, at the gun rights policy conference, when we were walking around, you guys must have seen some of the uh, podcasting setups. They're usually a gun show size table, three foot by eight foot. And, uh, you know, like you say, they put everything on there, a bunch of wires hanging off of it. And then uh, you just need power to them, but half the tables there need power too. So that's nothing extravagant. Right. It's like Hosh jumped in. He's got the best icon of him in that suit. Tell us the story real quick, Hosh. What's the deal with that suit on your icon and sitting in that chair? Uh, that is, oh God, what's his name? Uh, the so if you remember the show Deadwood, um, who's the character at the top hat that um, opened a bar or brothel across the street? Anybody? Was the pimp and came into town and took over that brothel. Yeah, and he passed away recently, actually. Make sense? He was sort of the bad guy in the show, kind of the nemesis. Kind of. Um, that's that's the outfit. That's his outfit from Deadwood. My uh, stepdad bought it, and uh, it fit me like a glove. I wanted to buy it from him, but it was not cheap. <laughs> it was not cheap. <clears throat> so does he just have it like in one of those big three-dimensional frames in his house or what? No, he ended up selling it. Um, he actually he actually bought it. He was going to go on a cruise um, and uh, during the dress-up day or whatever it was, you know, when you have the nice like uh, dress-up meal, he was going to wear it. Although uh, Ty, Ty Cy Tolliver is the name. Powers Booth is the, the actual actor. Um, he was going to wear that and it just didn't fit him the way he wanted it. And so he just like, well, I guess I'll hang on to it and it'll be worth something in the future. And uh, yeah, so that is that is me wearing that with a side-by-side uh, -side coach gun. <laughs> That's fantastic. In a Victorian uh, butterfly chair, which is literally also an antique my mom has. So that's, yeah. There was a chair or a chair like that in the Chattanooga Choo Choo Hotel that we stayed at. So I got a picture mm -hmm. of Oro sitting in one of them chairs. I'm sure they're real happy that they have people sitting their dogs in those chairs. Oh, yeah. Right. Actually, my sister's dog chewed that chair up, and we had to go get it professionally restored. It was ridiculous. It sucked, man. All right, well, we've got more people in here. Let me take a second. We've got Clover jumping in, normally from Texas, today in Tulsa. Got Gary also from, uh, well, normally from Kansas, but now in Tulsa. Osh. 
from California and still in California. Dog jumped back in from Nevada, still in Nevada. Sarge is in North Carolina? Yes, the better so. of the Carolinas. Yep, <laughs> the higher of the Carolinas. We got the, the snobs from uh, Tulsa, and then we've got uh, this, that guy's wife, which is Clover's wife, uh, also in Tulsa at the moment. And I'm down here in Tucson, and anybody, again, is welcome to uh, jump in. We're kind of chatting about, well, this show specifically, but I kind of spitballing ideas for future shows. Um, I just want to say again, I've, uh, I think it's awesome that uh, you know, we've got a bunch of people that are interested enough in the Second Amendment and sharing it and being involved in creation and sharing how to create uh, that we have a community like this. And then that we were able to rip that community up off the Internet and do stuff in real life is awesome. And it's not you know, just a selfie fest and it's not like we're at a, uh, some kind of pyramid scheme, you know, let's all get rich quick or anything. We're all doing this with good motives and good intent. Or- or Creator right. Summit, <laughs> quote unquote, Creator Summit. That's true too. Yeah, that's exactly. what it is. With the capitalism, we're doing this with the show promoters. They're not paying us, but they're giving us something of uh, value. They're giving us a space and electricity at their t- at their place. They're giving us the credit credentials and uh, the authority to go around and take pictures for them. So they're giving us a lot of respect and a lot of uh, what's the word I'm looking for. Um, uh, responsibility i think that's what i'm looking for so anyway it's awesome and i really appreciate everybody who's involved in it uh we wouldn't be able to do this as a group of individuals if there weren't people out there by dozens and dozens and hundreds sometimes more uh who are interested in watching our stuff so i just wanted to take a minute and say thanks to everybody this has been an awesome adventure and it seems like it's not even close to being over and with as many people who are jumping on with creative uh things to do and uh, intent to do it and the ability to do it. I think we've got some real uh, potential for changing the way that things go. And, you know, we're not just going to have to be drifting along watching, you know, through our fancy computers, just, you know, more and more of the same. So, well, and I want to, I want to take a minute too, not that they would uh, necessarily hear this, but to, to thank the Wanamakers for, you know, allowing us to do this and, and taking a, taking a chance and, you know, they 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 were really quick to say yes. They haven't really wavered on anything. Um, you know, it's 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 going on a year now. You know, this was the third third time, um, I guess officially anyway, that they've um, you know, and from day one they they never really, you know, they never really tried to crawfish or sidestep or anything like that, which I think is is completely awesome. Um, and if you know, if there's anybody that's that's out there that's listening that that is going this weekend, uh, or that goes in April or November or any other time that that you're able to get by there, um, stop by that, stop by the, the registration table and you know, just tell them thank you. Say hey, we you know let them know. Say we you know we hear you know your show getting promoted on the internet through gun channels and through those people associated, and you know thank you for allowing them to you know, come in here and, and, and be a part of the show and promote the show and promote these booths and dealers and manufacturers and, and get the word out. Uh, I think that's, um, I think that's something they would, they would love to hear, honestly. What can we do better 
going into the show so that we don't end up with what we ended up with last time. I mean, we, I think we ended up pretty good last time. We had a lot of content. I think I don't know how everybody individually did. I guess that's one of the things we didn't really get together specifically too many uh, much after the show. We talked about it and we never really did. And we didn't really, except for a couple of planning sessions to get I, logistics. I did when I when I contacted uh, Carrie. Um, I did go through at, before I did that as best I could, right? Um, and I got twenty videos from April that I could that I could find, and from all different um, people, from different yes, that was from from different people combined, um, twenty. Um, or about 20. <laughs> um, I don't remember exactly. And as far as the hashtag and photos, like on the Instagrams, there was like, a, there was over 200. Because that's awesome. Because then that gives us some baseline, right? Yeah. Um, but I guess so that you don't have to do that effort. And so that, well, the, the way you wouldn't have to do the effort is if it's archived somewhere. And that means that it's discoverable. So in other words, there's two birds with one stone here. If we, set ourselves up so that we're we're accumulating all of our stuff in one pile and when, number one we can all point to that pile throughout the year and say this is our wanamaker pile that we're all building and then whenever we want to talk to them about it we can say here's our growing wanamaker pile uh, but i was also thinking that not so much talking to the promoters but just as ourselves um you know just so that we're getting because we're spending all we're all spending money to get there you're you know taking time to work and you know taking time away from families and stuff so it's, you know, it's, it's time to be there and let's make the most effective use of that time. Um, a lot of it, you know, we ended up BSing and chatting and I'm just as guilty as anybody. That's, you know, just what happens when you meet up with people who are basically family in a way. Uh, but at the same time, we can BS anytime. So I think uh, if we can come up with stuff ahead of time that is most effective to do when we're actually face to face. And I don't know, like, for example, taking the pictures with the G's. Like that turned into a spaz fest last time because I forgot at the last minute somebody brought it up and it's like, oh shit. And then we didn't, nobody even had the patches, you know. But, you know, a little bit of planning ahead of time, that's a no brainer. You know, while well, we're going to meet up once a day, night to uh, eat or to do recon or to do a live chat, you know, and that's when we take those pictures. Like the group picture, that would have never even happened. I forget who said, hey, let's take a group picture. And everyone was like, okay. But otherwise, we would have. No, I don't think anybody ever thought ahead of time, hey, let's make a time when let's take a group picture. And those are the kind of things that can only happen when everyone's together, right? But there's other things like, uh, I don't know, just doing some sort of tabletop reviews or something or some kind of deliberate collaboration type of thing. I don't know. Um, you could do some live reviews while you're there, just like pick a product yeah. and live stream a review. That'd be oh, kind yeah. of fun. But with somebody sitting at the table with you, like, you know, Travis yeah. and, and Night Strike being together to you know, to be able to do something. Yeah, let's take 20 minutes or something. We're going to do a live stream on this product that that's that someone has here. Maybe you could go around to, to different tables if they'd let you, you know, check something out for an hour or two. You go over there and, and do a review on it and then bring it back. That'd be good for them, too. Well, with 4,000 tables, yeah, there's about a million. <laughs> well, I mean, pick something you like. Yeah. No, I'm just saying there's definitely, you're, if you've got an idea, I'm sure you're going to find somebody with 4,000 tables that would take you up on that idea and let you do it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And eventually, I mean, eventually, especially if we build up um, to where consistently we've got 
you know, a larger group that that's there. Um, not not necessarily the same people, but you know, maybe the same amount of people anyway that are there every show, you know, twice a year. Um, you know, it's not going to take long for that to build and for you know the at least the regulars that are there to realize that you know we we are there, you know. So you know there may be a situation, and and again with the with what I go back to with getting approached by the people on Facebook, you know the more we put out there and the we promote, then the people that that go that are that do have tables there, they they see that they recognize it, you know they're able to go back, they are able to see our catalog uh, across not just what we do as a channel, but what the group is doing, and then. Um, you know, eventually, you know, you may have people that seek you out. I mean, that's sort of what happened in my case. Yeah, and you're one person. So, if, like you say, we work on that, and now you get four or five people all getting approached by 10 or 12 different people. Mm -hmm. Right now, now it's a different type of thing. Yeah, I mean, it gets to a point, it gets to a point eventually that you need new people coming in. And turning on cameras because, you know, and that's the, that's the beauty of, that's the beauty of the community and the different directions that the different channels are going in. Nobody is, everybody's kind of doing their own thing. We're all kind of doing it together and we're all supporting each other, but, but we're all doing different things. And the beauty of it is that. You know, there's there's plenty of room for other people to come in and turn on cameras because, you know, nobody is doing it exactly the way that you're, you know, you're probably wanting to do it. Your style and your flair and, you know, the types of things that you're wanting to cover and, and look at and the types of industry people or dealers or manufacturers that you want to work with. You know, that that, that combination is going to be unique for everybody. So, you know, as it builds, you know, I could see myself, you know, spending two days at Tulsa with, you know, just with people that has approached me and people that I've already worked with and that sort of thing. And I just, I don't have the, I just don't have it in the schedule to walk around the show necessarily and, and look for and or try to squeeze in new stuff. So, um you know, there's, there's, you know, we're, we're in the very early stages of this, of course, but, um, there's just tremendous room for growth as far as bringing new people in, you know, the people that are, that are just now, you know, in the last few days or weeks have started to turn on cameras and do things, you know, there's plenty of opportunity Let uh, me take that. in this, in this for them. Let me take that because that's awesome point and take it to a bird's eye. So what we're doing here with the largest gun show in the world. 4,000 tables under one roof without any pillars or nothing like, you know, just physically the largest gun show in the world. But it's also the gun show that happens twice a year and it's been going on for decades. And we've got a relationship with them that's unique. I think that's it's awesome. And it's thanks to Clover for getting it going. Um, we've got a relationship with the promoters and because of the quality work everyone's been doing uh, in real life. And then after the fact, uh, you know, with the, the people that are vendors, I guess, and then obviously no, uh, people who participated at the show have complained or anything. So it looks like we're doing a good job. Eventually that's going to be seen and ideally replicated by other promoters. And they're going to find either people local or 
you know, somebody that they can bring in uh, to do something similar at their show. So I'd like to look at it from, you know, we're, we're cutting new ground here, but we're hopefully cutting new ground that promotes a new aspect to gun shows. Uh, I've been a promo you know, an advocate of gun shows for a long time. They're important to our community and they're important to our country, I think, but without getting on my soapbox or whatever, uh, I'd like to, again, keep in mind that we're doing something here that uh, because of the way we're doing it, I think can be a blueprint, like a franchise, so to speak, so that other promoters can uh, take the cue. And I was kind of thinking it as Clover was saying, compared to like a radio show, I've seen radio shows show up at gun shows before. And they'll have, you know, maybe their show is live or maybe they're recording something, but whatever length the show it is, it's going to be less than two hours. No radio show is more than two hours. Uh, so even if it's a two-hour show, uh, if you do like the format of Gun Freedom Radio, one of the best podcasts out there, by the way, um, they have a guest that uh, four guests each uh, hour for 16 minutes. So uh, that ends up, you know, barely giving you eight guests if you're lucky in a two-hour show. Whereas what the the come what we're coming up with here is potentially much larger and potentially much 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 larger. Uh, coverage for those, uh, you know, vendors and, and all the different organizations that might be represented, the show itself, uh, the facilities at the show, uh, and all the other uh, things that we're not even mentioning yet. Um, and obviously at a smaller scale at a smaller show, but something that, you know, we're trying to uh, encourage and, and um, uh, help uh, people who are creating content um, this is a perfect way to create content and a great way for a show to get uh, a different type of invigoration, a different type of, uh, you know, something going on so that the vendors get more out of it and more people are aware of these shows. So hopefully we're doing something that cuts ground and, like I say, kind of franchises this concept so that other people can use it. Well, and we and we have broken the ground on this. So what's cool is even those that, you know, can't can't make it down here to Tulsa for, for whatever reason. Um, you know, well, if they're part of gun channels and they're they're they've already got, you know, some type of track record with, with doing content, then they could they could easily approach the promoter for a sh local show in their area they can make that maybe they you know maybe they do a show in their area once a quarter you know right. or once they every once every few months and point and go look i'm a part of this group that does the largest gun show in the world what do you think about letting me do the same thing for your little show oh, you yes. know you know hey i can't make it to tulsa <laughs> twice a year you know I, I work i you know i just can't afford to do that but as part of this group, I would be willing to take on your show here locally, you know? Yeah, and three or four people show up at each show. That'd be a whole other thing for shows and sort of brings this concept, this chat kind of environment to shows. Think about how many gun owners are out there. Just gun, just NRA members, five million, right? Mm -hmm. How many people participate in online social media platforms? We can tell by our subscriber numbers and the subscriber numbers of the biggest channels that it's not five million people. So just by taking this, this dynamic, this live chat, and doing it on in front of people at a show like that, uh, do we know how many individuals show up at the show? Like, uh, or, um, you know, I'm trying, I keep calling them participants. What the fuck are they called? Uh, what do you call the people at the show? I don't know. Patrons or Visitor? whatever. Or so how, do we know how many? Maybe. Attendees. Atten that's attendees, yeah, maybe attendees. Yeah. 
Do we know how many attendees show up for the 4,000 tables? I, like I heard it's I gotta heard, be over a hundred, right? It's gotta be close to a hundred thousand. I heard I heard something like forty or fifty thousand last year. That's pretty good. But it's NRA. NRA's sixty. Oh, okay. But whatever. That's pretty it's good though. That's awesome. It's tens of thousands. And these are people that got off their butt and went to a gun show. And I mm. suspect a lot of them don't even know that this is a thing that can be done. And obviously we all have different opinions and you know, preferences and stuff, but, well, but there's a lot of YouTube hangouts. GunTube can get bigger and have GunTube hangouts. Like there's plenty of room on the internet for us all. Well, but even even scale scale this down, like we're talking about, that if there are people out there that, you know, or well, I can't do Tulsa. Well, take this and run with it with your local show. And how many people, how many attendees are there? It's got to be a thousand. You know, you're talking about a thousand people. You're able to, you know, you're able to get out in front of that potentially are, are, you know, a large percentage are probably not on, you know, not watching stuff online already. So you're, you're expanding their horizons and their knowledge into what's, what's out there and what's being done, you know? And that's, what's awesome when you, when you privy people, because I've done it not with when we're talking about it on the attendee side, but with the industry side, what the shows I was doing is you contact, you know, I contact these industry people and I talk to them and I mean, they're inept when it comes to the internet and social media and all that stuff. Um, they don't really understand it. They're old school. They're, they're print and billboards and ads in the newspaper, you know, whatever that's, you know, that's where their mindset a lot of times still is. They don't understand new media. So being able to get it out there in front of not only dealers and manufacturers and promoters, but also a attendees, that's huge. Even, even if you're talking about just a thousand, a thousand attendees over the weekend. And then eventually we'll have like a dome, like a half a dome that will come down at the, from the center of all gun shows. And a, like a three-dimensional hologram will come up and we'll bark orders at him. We'll mansplain things at the tables for him. Be like the floating Jarrell head from Superman. That would be awesome. There you go. But it would so be if a you think about it. Do we generate, do we, by being there, generate traffic into their gun show? We probably will in future shows. It's like, oh, I wow, do. I want to be at this. I can guarantee you we've, we've already, now, on any type of a percentage level, no. But I can guarantee you Without a doubt, unequivocally, yes, we have brought traffic to Tulsa. Just in ourselves, but definitely in some people. I, that showed up. I would no, have I, I, about I, it. Even, even outside of ourselves. I know we have. I know we have. I know there are people that go because it's like, yeah, like Sarge just said, he he wouldn't even know about it if it wasn't for us. So I wouldn't have contemplated driving 13 hours to go to a gun show if it hadn't been for the footage and stuff that I saw from there and hearing everybody talk about it. I never would have even entertained that idea. But now I'm going to end up going in spring because of that, because of the content that you guys have put out there because I never knew about it. So I, I, I agree with you. You you were 100% correct. You did yeah. bring in people. And, and, I, know, more people. and oh, I know people that we went in November Right, you know, last November, I know people that went in April. And I'm not talking about content creators. I know people that made the trip in in April 
to go to the show because of what they seen in November. And then I know, like I said, I've already said this, but there supposedly there's people that are going to make the trip and go um, this weekend, basically because of what they seen in April. So I know without a doubt we're bringing them now three or four people uh, up against tens of thousands. Like I said, percentage wise is nothing, but you got to start somewhere. Well, we're bringing people in. And then let's not forget that you guys, you ghosts, others have relationships with uh, vendors at this point uh, that you've met at previous shows and met, you know, kept up with. And now if they're making it, those vendors are making a decision. Is it worth it going this year? You know, is it blah, 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 you know, weighing the pluses and minuses. I'm assuming a relationship with people like y'all that are going to be there, you know, goes another one in the plus column. And who knows if that's weighing, you know, tipping their scales anywhere, but at least it's, it's, it's being, it's participating and being more on the activist side than the active, whatever the hell the other one is, I can't keep track. Well, that's true because I mean, it's an added thing. It's like, well, you know, I know regardless of what I sell or whatever, I'm going to get, I'm going to get extra exposure, (laughs) you know, beyond, beyond just the show. I want to take it in a totally different direction and feel free. Anybody who's in the chat right now, watching us on the gun channel side or on the YouTube side, feel free to keep throwing ideas out there because this is an awesome topic, but I'd like to go on to something that Sarge talked about there as far as, you know, he's, I'm assuming he's been around guns for a while and uh, he's obviously in the, in the culture and the community, but wasn't aware of this gun show, which is a big, pretty big gun show or whatever. Um, so it was something he discovered recently. So I'm going to go left to right and something that in your course of experience with firearms, something that you've discovered, and I don't want to blow it by telling you a bunch of mine, but I just thought that might be an interesting thing to kind of, as a palate cleanser, kind of go through and do something a little bit different. So I'm going to start on the left. I'll go with Clover first. Something new, new that I knew that I've discovered man um, just it doesn't have to be recent just something that in your experience in your time of being a gun person something you discovered and it was like wow i didn't even know that was there and now i know about it the guns are even better <sighs> if you need a second i can say pass and i'll go on to the next person or if anybody yeah. already let me know but then it'll be uh, gary yeah pass pass and come back to me so just in general something i've learned Discovery. Oh, gosh. I was pretty much a noob with uh, firearms when I joined gun channels. I've learned so much about different guns that I'd never owned before, knew anything about. Uh, A lot of the things that I tell people now, I learned from other people on videos that I've watched. Uh, It's just hard to say there's so many things. Right on. Uh, Hosh? He's still here. Not muted. He said, he's, he said he'd be right back in the side oh, chat. Okay, thanks. Uh, dog? I've, I've learned a lot since I've come here. Um, you know, everybody here has created different content and comes from different perspectives. And- I don't mean gun channels, not just gun channels. Just in general, since you've been a little kid till now, as you, whenever it was you got into guns, Something that you discovered along the way that you were like, holy shit, I didn't even know that was there. I'm going to throw one at you. 
uh, shooting sports in general. When I was a little kid, I knew there was shotgun shooting sports, but I didn't know there was much more than like my uncle going to the place on the weekend and winning a turkey once in a while. Like I didn't realize there was like, you know, established shooting sports. So whenever I grew up and I went through the whole army, not paying attention to this shit. So whenever I got out and started getting into guns later on in my life and it was like, what? There's IDPA, there's IPSC, there's SAS. Like I thought that was cool as shit that there was a whole bunch of people that were getting out on a regular basis and shooting really cool, like three-dimensional type of shooting activities and stuff. That blew my mind when I first learned about that. Oh yeah. I mean, I, when I became an adult and I learned about, you know, concealed carry or just carry in general, uh, beyond, beyond going hunting, that was a huge thing for me. That was a huge life turning point for me was finding out there was more ways to carry a gun than just deer hunting or joining the military. What age do you think that was for you? Uh, that would have been when I first got into security work at 19. So by the yeah. Right on. Yeah. I can't remember when it was for me, but yeah, I kind of thought, Oh, you can't carry a gun. I grew up back East or you really couldn't probably, but uh, I think I was probably again, until it was later on in my life. And then I started figuring out about it, but that blew my mind too, that, Oh wow, this is a thing. Like you can carry a gun as a good guy. That's awesome. Sarge, do you got another one? I mean, I've learned, I've learned a lot of things. Or at least I, I like to think I've learned a lot of things. I'll narrow it down to something that I've learned in the last year was that, I mean, I'd, I'd wanted to go to SHOT Show for a while, seeing it in law enforcement, and then I saw that Clover went last year and Ghost went, and I'm like, you know, that's this is actually an attainable goal to go. I thought the the, the show was closed anyway, unless you were in the industry and i didn't realize that we are in the industry by producing content and being in the 2a community i didn't realize that what is a hobby gets you into the industry i'm in the industry on the other side the law enforcement side but i didn't i didn't realize that that the average person and the working man can go to these big events like that, like, like shot show in two thousand in January. So that's something I learned. I, I just, it, you see this and it looks like it's closed off and you, you know, you read about it in the magazines. Oh yeah. Shot show. That'd be cool to go to. You don't realize that it's actually attainable if you will go through the right steps and that we have all, everyone here has laid the groundwork to get to go if they decide to do that and can afford to. So that's, that's definitely something I learned in the last, in the last year. I mean, I, I could, I've learned a lot of things in general, but that's one thing that really stands out to me. Right on. Yeah. I was the same way. I remember reading about it in like SWAT or whatever magazines when I was a kid and they'd talk about, you know, shot show usually this time of year. Cause this is when the, the article started coming out from last year's SWAT or shot. And, uh, when I started getting into guns again and hanging out at gun shops and stuff and doing websites for gun shops, uh, I got invited and I'm like, what do you mean I can go to the shot show? And then as soon as I went as media, it's been, uh, yeah. it's just a, people on board it, as possible. It's awesome. It just changes everything. You don't, you don't realize that you've, that you have become part of the industry. You think you're just doing your thing and you are just doing your thing but then you realize you're part of it. And that's, it's kind of neat when somebody else recognizes that you're like, wow, this, this actually is happening. This is, 
this is pretty good. It makes you want to do it even more. Right on. Cycle Campus saying on the YouTube side, even though he has a good gun channels account and he has a link to this chat, but he's saying on the YouTube side, he had no idea before the April show how many variants of the 1903 there were. And that can that can definitely be neat, especially when you've got a collector or a guy who's got a really nice table with you know representation of all the different stuff to you know be able to see it in a non-museum environment where you get to pick it up and fiddle with it. It's pretty neat. Anybody that passed want to go back? Hush, we were saying uh, stuff that you've discovered in your lifetime of being a gun person, stuff that something that came along and it blew your mind, like you had no idea. Uh, uh, Sarge just talked about like the concept of CCW. Oh, he's talking. So, Clover, Gary, anybody want to jump back? Um, uh, I've got a couple, I guess. Um, the one, the one that that comes to mind, which was a man when I when I found this out, uh, I kind of went crazy a little bit, unfortunately. But it has to do with with NFA. When I found out that Form One, you could build your own stuff. I was like, what? I can build my own stuff. Yeah. You mean NFA stuff? Yeah. Like I can build my own suppressor. Yeah, you know, I can build my I can build my own, you know what, you know, what? And not have um, to like a, a manufacturer and Yeah. Have I mean my four fifty eight SOCOM and that was my four fifty eight SOCOM can is, is long after the um, you know, I found that out of course. But you know, I've got two hundred dollars in that suppressor. You know, I mean not counting the stamp, you know, on material wise. I've got 200 bucks in that thing and, you know, going around contacting companies, trying to find somebody that could build one. And, and even then they didn't guarantee the decibel reduction or anything on it. You know, it was 12 and $1,500 was the quotes on that. So, um, to me, that was just amazing that, you know, I can, I can do it myself and then I can make sure that it's designed in such a way that it works for what I need it to work for. Right. Um, and then um, the other one, I had another one that I was, I was thinking about, and uh, yeah, I may I may have to pass again on that because I got off on the, on the suppressor thing and and uh, couldn't remember. Um, reloading, I mean, um, the first time you kind of figure out reloading and get into that, get into that, uh, that wasn't what I was thinking, but that's another cool one once you realize, and and honestly, once you realize how easily. It's it's done. Uh, it's time consuming, sure, but um, it's not it's not difficult to do at all. Well, the only reloading I'd ever heard of, long long time ago, was people reloading shotgun shells. I didn't even know you could load your own rifle ammo and handgun ammo. That was something completely new to me. Yeah, I think another big one for me was just seeing how many, you know, I grew up with the idea that, you know, gun people fell into certain categories. Uh, as I've gotten older and had more experience, and it's always mind-blowing to see people who are actually gun people that don't fit any of your preconceptions. You know, that the gun people, the walk of it comes from all walks of life and all perspectives. I also found out that scary black rifles are just rifles. <laughs> They're just rifles. That's all they are. Are she back yet? 
Yes, sir. Okay. So first off, let me tell Narrowcast, Narrowcast here at a cycle camp. Um, okay, I sent you a link to the Hangout to your phone in case you can jump in. I also, Clover, I sent Cycle your phone number so that you guys can coordinate in Tulsa there. Hopefully that's okay. Yeah, he should have he should have it already. Well, he's got it again. And then he was asking it about the museum. You guys are going to be at the museum at ten thirty tomorrow doing a tour. And I'm hoping you guys will go live. Somebody will go live, and we'll be over on Gun Channels watching that, of course. I plan on doing a I plan on doing an Instagram live from uh from there for sure. Well, hopefully somebody's phone will be available, and uh, if Raphael is there, if he's watching, uh, the museum's at 10.30 tomorrow. Um, but anyway, so, uh, uh, Hosh, we've been kind of going through the room just as a palate cleanser from our other discussion. Uh, mm -hmm. Your lifetime of being a gun person, right, whenever you got into guns till now, uh, what was something that you discovered along the way that just blew your mind? Some of the stuff people talked about were that you could carry CCW or that SHOT Show was a thing that's available to go to or you can manufacture your own firearm? I think it was uh, the 80 percenter when I realized, like, I could just build this. Like, I, I appreciate the NFA stuff, but um, that you can get basically not an antique, but you can get a classic surplus firearm taken, taken down and rebuild it. And then, you know, it's totally fully functioning whether it's an ak or an ar my background is ak's um that was a, a kind of a revelation and then there was you know it's it's been neutered a bit but the curio and relic stuff was really really cool the fact that you could have a a curio and relic gun shipped to your door in california and all you had to do was maintain a ledger that could be reviewed um just awesome like did and the guns that were on there were really impressive it was almost like um you know in california you got to be smog compliant with your cars but if the car's like over 30 years it doesn't have to be compliant anymore so it's kind of like this yeah the gun aged out so you can you can get it without all the regular law bs stuff mm -hmm. so i was like oh that's that's super cool i was really really into that so that was that was probably the two big revelations for me very cool well, psycho jumped in Oh, uh, you can listen in. Do you got something to throw in besides the three ten kill threes? I believe you just shined a flashlight. Flashlight, right? <laughs> Quiet cycle. All right, he's dealing with internet and a phone or whatever. Night strike, you jumped in here. The, the one responsible for guntube.org. Uh, so what's something in your gun lifetime? lifetime? I, I think his mic's, mic's, mic's working. Crap. Yeah, we got yeah, you. Yeah, we got you here. Yeah, like I said, I was just trying to see if this was even physically possible or not. You've mastered You've it. mastered it. Well, uh... I've, I've got in, but I'm not sure mastery is uh, what I would call it. You guys go ahead. That's right. Go ahead. Okay. I didn't hear the whole question. In your lifetime of gun experiences, something that blew you away that you had no idea was part of the community or the culture or something that was available. 
Okay, there is this one thing. Okay, uh, you know, remember back in April when we all, all of us, uh, most of us in here went to Tulsa. Uh, we at, at that one corner, some dude was selling gu guns that he had just dug up. Did you see that one? That one. They were mm -hmm. all destroyed and rusted, and you, you, you weren't using those ever again. I know what you're talking about. I just don't think I remember that specific specific table, but okay. Yeah, and I didn't know that there was a there was an actual market for that. Right on. Yeah, in fact, uh, I met up with the owner of the Cody Dug Up Gun Museum in Wyoming that uh, has started his collection 30 years ago, and now it's on display there in Cody, and it's uh, pretty awesome. You know, there's a lot of a lot of guns, and they definitely get lost or thrown away. Yeah. Yeah. So, you want to give it another try? Sure, I guess. Oh, yeah. Sounds oh, yeah. good. Sounds good. Okay. So, uh, I'll tell you, one of the things I found out didn't have anything to do with guns. It had to do with the people with the guns. And, and that was that they share a lot of common interest. I've met a lot of other gunners on, on the Internet that are, that are uh, musically inclined, guys that are motorcycly inclined. I got into the ham radio stuff and, you know, with Hosh and all that stuff. And it was very interesting to see that a lot of people in the, in the gun world had a lot of the same side interests that I had. So that was pretty neat. Somebody else had Somebody mentioned else. about the community, and that's definitely true. I'm always, I'm continually amazed, especially now that it's kind of developing even further, and it's getting outside the realm of just like, oh, here's a new kind of old fat white guy, or here's an old fat white guy that's into something different. You know, now it's actually different types of people and communities of people, and pretty cool. And what's neat, I think, I mean, I don't know why it wouldn't be this way, but you know, somebody gets into guns. So many people, look how many people we know that got into guns later on in their lifetimes, you know, in their adulthood. Um, when you get into guns, there's got to be a, a path or at least a general path that people explore. I'm sure a lot of people, you know, get discouraged or get disinterested and go on to the next hobby. But the people that stick with it, you know, are going to either go into the shooting sports or into hunting or into collecting or go through some some path and then go on to the next thing and potentially the next thing and as they explore that there's a heck of a lot of new stuff out there so i can't even imagine what it must be like for somebody who's just getting into guns to to start digging around back in the day we had you know i don't want to say hurdles but it was a different way to explore there was a lot less data to explore and uh it's got to be so neat now to be able to dig into stuff uh for the first time with such resources available Alrighty, well, we got that air again. So I don't know. Um, that was just sort of a palate cleanser, kind of running through with a different topic. But is there anything else? Uh, a couple of guys jumped in uh, to talk about uh, with gun shows. I, I always wonder why it, you can't carry a loaded gun in a gun show. That's something I always wondered for for protection. But I guess they want to keep. I mean, there's ammo there. There's guns there but you can't carry a loaded one in. I always thought that was odd. 
Well, I hear you. I'm definitely an advocate for making that discussion up sometime. I'm down for digging into it. If you guys are still awake and want to jump in on it, if you have opinions one way or the other. Sure. Yeah, I'm awake. Go. Who's, let's just go left to right. Pro loaded firearms and gun shows or against? Pro or against? Clover? Uh, in the uh, in the confines of whatever you know state, um, yeah, pro. So in other words, if you're your constitutional carry state, or you know you have a license to carry or CCW or whatever it might be, yeah. Um, according to legalities, pro. Yeah. Right on. Ghost or cycle? Ghost. Look, I'm conditioned. Cycle. Cycle. I'm I'm definitely pro, uh, but I do understand that the issue is not the self-defense issue. The issue is the uh, uh, negligent discharge. I hear you. I hear you. I could be on the fence either way as well. I don't know if you're hearing it, Cycle, but whenever you unmute, we're definitely getting some wicked echo. So I don't know if you are using a headset or not, but... Just FYI. Uh, Gary? Well, I'm definitely pro. I hate the fact that I'm driving to a building full of guns and full of ammo, yet i got to leave mine out in the car. And uh, if someone did decide to grab a gun and ammo and do something stupid, I could defend myself. That doesn't seem right to me. So I'm definitely pro, Gary. Man, you brought up a bunch of good stuff there, but I'm going to keep going through. Uh, Hosh? Uh, pro. I mean, I don't. I, don't, I, I appreciate the neglig, negligent discharge. Uh, I'm not. I'm, you can hear me, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, but God, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see it. I, I can see the the argument for negligent discharge, but at the same time, it's kind of like we'll get rid of your there to own and shoot firearms. So why would we? Why would we do anything that would get in the way of that? So, uh, Doug. Oh, I totally think you should be allowed to carry a loaded gun on you. I mean, I most of the gun shows I've been to don't have what I would consider to be adequate security that's going to respond in time if something were to happen. So, yeah, you have the right to defend yourself anywhere you go. That's a good point, and an obligation to some extent. Nice strike. Yeah, pro, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go off the wall and say. You know, if you don't have to, don't carry one in the chamber just so that, you know, you don't negligent discharge in the building. But I'm pro, more or less. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with that one. So, Sarge, you brought it up. Uh, which way are you going, though? I, I would say pro for if you're, this is your concealed carry. It stays in the holster. It doesn't exit the holster. You're not going to show it to the guy at the at one of the tables trying to sell it to him. If it's there for carry, it's loaded. It can be loaded in, in the holster. And if it's there for anything else, it needs to be unloaded if you're there to try to sell it and whatnot. But Because we can't have people coming in, well, I think I'm going to try to trade this today. Well, then That's you unload point. it, and then you bring it in in a case. If it's there on your hip or you know inside the waistband, then that's where that stays. Right you, just created, you just created so many like 
little nuances though that <laughs> it's probably too difficult to get people to fall no, no, no it, he summed it up with exactly what happens at every gun show you go to a gun show you pay or actually before you even pay you go up to that little table and they zip tie whatever guns you're bringing in oh, that's so, a good point yep, all you yep. Say is leave your loaded guns holstered and zip tie everything else yeah so that covers everything sarge just said and that's basically the procedure now anyway that's a good point because you'll get somebody that wants to come trade one in and they'll want to wear it in their holster and and you just ask them is this for protection or is this for for tr you know trade what are you doing and if they say it's for anything other than protection then unload it bring it back in a, in a case or we'll zip we'll zip tie it whatever so it's a fair trade they're now I'm obviously pro also so we don't have anybody to play devil's advocate even um, but we can assume the devil's advocacy side of it or the anti side of it would be concern for safety, which I say is bunk because are there already accidents at a gun show? Yes. So even in a you know, cold show or whatever, cold range, cold show, you know, no loaded guns are supposed to be even available. Um, they still have accidents. Um, nobody's perfect. You know, somebody brings a gun to trade and they didn't realize it's, you know, they had one in there. Uh, whatever, you know, people are idiots, they have a loaded magazine and don't realize when they're racking it, they're talking or whatever, you know, things happen. So um, uh, I think that um, the concept that it's going to be uh, safe, 100% uh, safe because of the rule is not, is fallacy, right? We all know that, gun-free zones and all that. Um, but uh, I think that uh, a couple of things, Gary mentioned having to leave your guns outside. Uh, why give bad guys an, uh, a known scenario? So if they know that every armed person going to a gun show, which is probably a pretty high percent, have to leave firearms in the car, where is the best parking lot to go troll for firearms? Right? So why encourage that? So they're not idiots. And, uh, you know, according to the antis, there's nothing but criminals go to the shows anyway. So anyway, um, so I think it's just also when you have to take it off at your car, um, you know, that's, 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 the, that's the bottleneck. Those are the places where accidents happen, you know, touching the damn thing. If you just leave it in your waist, leave it in your pocket, leave it in your whatever, uh, that's when it's safe. That's when it, nobody, you know, it doesn't do anything. So I don't like that transition stuff. That's where everybody ends up having accidents. And when you get back to your car and you're putting it back in, you know, that's when all the appendix carriers neuter themselves. So, um, I think that was a great point, Gary. And um, the dog said, you know, the security at a show. I mean, we don't we don't want a show where you're walked with a bodyguard, you know, at your elbow so that everybody's safe. That's the only way to make it safe. You're talking about an environment where there's a lot of firearms. So uh, if there's somebody goes crazy, which has never happened that I'm aware of, but, you know, I guess we got to assume there's a potential. Uh, if somebody goes crazy, do you want to have everybody just scattering or do you want to have, you know, like the, like the movies? The comedies and stuff somebody screws around in a gun show it's like a you know some kind of an art display of like a million muzzles pointed at them right like a comic book or something yeah i mean like i said the thing is that i've i've actually been to gun shows where you know coming out of the show i've seen police taking a report of somebody who was attacked in the parking lot of the show you know because they you talk about that criminal element they know that normally armed people on their way back to their vehicles have been disarmed so yeah and they may be carrying something very valuable to steal 
That's right. So I, I've seen that happen at shows before, and I think that it's ridiculous that that person came to came prepared to defend themselves, but was forced to make themselves vulnerable to go to a gun show of all things. Now, uh, they tell you not to bring a loaded gun in, but they don't say anything about bringing loaded magazines in. Obviously. The ones I've been to have. They make sure you don't have any loaded magazines either. Oh, really? Oh, okay. But that's just ones I've been to. Uh, I've, 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 uh, I've, Wanamaker's in, in particular, uh, their thing is if you unload the gun, you can bring the ammunition in with you, and they will hold it at the entrance so that you can reload the gun before you go outside, I guess, so you don't have to go back to your car without a firearm. Well, that's at least that's a... At least a... Rob is saying on the YouTube side, it's sad it needs to be said that way. It's sad it needs to be that way. I personally don't understand why people that carry would have a problem unloading makes us sound incompetent. Oh, I don't think so. That's like saying people that drive Fords are incompetent because they get flat tires. Or let's say that's a bad way to say it. If Fords get more flat tires than any other type of car, it doesn't, say it. It doesn't necessarily mean that Ford drivers are less competent if Fords are the more prevalent car on the road. So gun shows or people with guns, you know, when are we going to have accidents? The only time we can even have accidents is when we're fiddling with the thing. And when do we fiddle with the thing? When we're holstering it and unholstering it or unloading it and loading it. So those are like literally the only times we can even get into accidents. You don't just have a gun go off on your side ever. It just doesn't happen. Well, I mean, stick with your change the tire analogy. When's the worst time to change your tire when you're on the freeway? When's the worst time to check the air on your tire because you didn't fill it up before you left home when you're on the freeway? <laughs> you know, so it's if you just keep driving, there's no problem or less problem. Yeah, you know, and I mean, keep in mind, we're talking about something where not the rules at every gun show aren't well, they all generally are similar. They all have their own little nuances. I've been to gun shows before where you, you could go in with a loaded magazine, it just couldn't be in the gun. I've also been to gun shows where they've literally confiscated ammo from a loaded magazine and not giving it back. So, you know. Uh, things that you like to bring with you when you go to a gun show. One item per person will go around until we exhaust the amount of shit we bring. Clover. Thing you bring to gun shows. Money. <laughs> Money. Good, good one. Survey says, bing, bing, number one. Yes. Cycle. Cycle. I bring a borescope. Oh, awesome. Ooh. A lighted one? Actually, I know what you bring, but a lighted one versus a little piece of plastic, huh? Yeah, that's correct. I bring the, the little miniature one. Actually, I bring the one I bought at Wanamaker last November. Yeah, I don't know if you want to go in, but he's got a gooseneck one, so that's awesome, and it's got a magnetic base. So it's got a laser, which is probably useful too, but that way when he's looking at a obnoxiously long old-fashioned gun and he's by himself, he can kind of magnetize the, mag the light on the one end, use the gooseneck to get it in position, turn it on, and examine the gun without having to, I don't know, have somebody taller or shorter than him to like wiggle it around and all that. So he can kind of do it efficiently. It's kind of neat. And what was it, like a couple of bucks? Yeah, I think it was like five bucks. It was a real, a real steal. Nice. 
Kind of looks like Bender's arm. Uh, Gary, something you bring to every gun show. This is going to sound a little bit weird and obvious, but a comfortable pair of shoes because you're going to be doing an awful lot of walking and standing. That's a real good one, I think. A lot of people don't think about that sometimes. Uh, Hosh. Um, you guys ever go to Ikea and you ever see those big blue bags? The nylon ones that are like impossible to break? I fold one of those up and put it in my backpack. Like Tyvek, so it folds up to nothing? It folds up to nothing. They weigh nothing, and they can carry. It's got a shoulder strap or a hand strap, and you can just you can put kids in it and carry kids around. It's so sturdy. That could be handy because you never know when you're gonna like say. There's some things that you can find, and maybe we're gonna go round robin with that next. But there might be things that you find at a gun show that you have to buy, like that you cannot. You would not feel good about yourself if you left it there. Well, sometimes for me, it's like reloading supplies, right? So if you find a good deal on reloading supplies, that stuff can get heavy. Um, so that's kind of stuff I'll grab and throw it in a big bag, you know? Uh, Doug, something you always bring with you to a gun show. A collapsible dolly for much of the same reasons uh, Haas was just talking about because ammo and reloading stuff is very heavy. So I like to have those little collapsible dollies that you can stack everything on and hold on there with the bungee cords. That's odd. I would have thought you'd brought some sort of a, uh, like a wagon and make your dog carry that heavy ass shit around. If they let him in. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know why the people out there are just watching. There's at least a couple of people still watching, and you got a keyboard, so you could easily be participating in this session here. Something that you bring to every gun show, Night Strike. You ever been to a gun show? Something you bring with you. Ah, uh, well, somebody already took money, and that's the one I was going to say. Uh, don't know other than maybe like a backpack or something right on or bag the bag to put your stuff in i don't know yeah okay because that's exactly what hosh just said but we can take it again uh sarge i'm gonna kind of sort of say the money thing but make sure you bring cash in particular because a lot of times you can get a better deal with with good American greenbacks and you can with trying to run your debit card or something silly like that. Um, make sure you have a permit or whatever it takes to buy a gun where you're at, whether you need a, a permit to purchase, whether you need your concealed, if you're going to buy a pistol, make sure you have that lined up and, and ahead of time in the, in a way to, to carry this stuff like 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 they were saying so you need to be if you're going there to buy come there to buy be ready to do what you need to do and yeah, you might want to bring something to trade too but you always bring cash unless you're buying curio and relic then bring gold doubloons yes doubloons no i like that you guys brought up a couple of things but when you threw that in there at the end something to trade that is genius because a lot of everybody's got something. Every what? single person listening to this has stuff that they got that they don't care that much about or they literally want to get rid of. Bringing it to a show and trading it into something super cool or something. Turn it into something new. Awesome. Yeah. Because some people don't like to get rid of guns. We, we've we've heard that. And some people, you know, if I've decided that maybe my tastes have changed or I'm not emotionally attached to this or I just don't use it enough, but there is this one cool thing. Maybe I can work out a trade, and maybe I can come out with that cool thing with just a little bit of money spent on my part. Get rid of something else. 
Yeah, and well, I mean, back in the day, I went to every show I could possibly get to because they were a little cheaper, and I was doing stuff like that, and that's what made it cheaper, I guess, in the long run, is if you're constantly enjoying the the pursuit of stuff and the discovery of stuff, and then the the bartering, that that is certainly it's like a swap meet. Well, it's a gun show. There's no other way to describe yeah. it. Uh, I'm going to throw a flashlight in there or even a headlamp. So usually when I go to shot, I have a headlamp. And then when I go anywhere, I have a real flashlight, like CR123, 500 plus lumens, um, just so that I can get the hell out. Uh, if there's a fire alarm or something like a truck comes flying into the main gate and everybody's got to wiggle out through doors and windows, uh, it's something that just lets me see. And I don't like, even if there's windows, you never know when a storm's coming. I, I got one more that I just thought of. Well, throw as many as you want. Um, how about a list of something that you're looking for and that you've been looking for and you don't get caught up in seeing so much stuff that you forgot, like, ah, I'm looking, I was looking for a magazine, you know, for this gun, maybe just write down a little list of things that you could use if you see them, because you might forget about it while you're just immersed in all that stuff for a while. That's a super good point. Joseph, uh, Cooper on the uh, YouTube side had mentioned that before. Uh, yeah, that's a good one. Actually, I was thinking more of, I bring a piece of paper. Actually, I usually grab a calendar, right? When you walk in the show, there's usually calendars for future shows. I'll take one of them, fold it in half, and use the backside as my notes. Mm -hmm. And I usually make a list of what I've seen. That's what I was thinking. Like, I'll, I'll usually come in, and I'll run the whole show. And I'll make a list of the stuff that mm -hmm. I see on the way that's, that's cool price. And that's what I thought he meant by list. But what you're saying, bring a list of stuff that you want to look for. As it, writing it down is make, does make a lot of sense because obviously you can think, oh, I can keep track of everything. But oh. if you know you're making a list and throughout the month or whatever that it's going to be before you go to a show, you can be like, oh, you know what? I do need an ammo can. I'm going to put on my gun show list. And now six months later, you're not like, I know I needed something for the ammo room, but what was it? So I really like that idea of a list. Or that, that magazine for that for that one pistol you picked up or something or that or the – for a you know magazine fed rifle man i've been looking for that and i forgot to you know to to or i remember seeing it but i forgot that that's what i needed and or, you know you know what i'm saying the uh something to go along with that is uh like a stack of your business cards particularly of those that are in the social media type game or mm -hmm. just business cards if you find a uh someone who specializes in something. And this is for anything. It's not just for gun stores, shows, any kind of show you go to. If they specialize in something, but they don't have the thing that you want or it's kind of hard to find, it's a lot easier having multiple people, particularly people in the know looking for you. So on your business card right in the back of it, I'm looking for blah, blah, blah. Contact me, call me, blah, blah, blah. And you can hand it out. Um, or if you just meet somebody that you want to talk to later, business cards. No, that's an awesome idea because they're going to get a ton of business cards and they're going to remember, you know, when they're talking to so-and-so about that Model 17, blah, blah, blah. They're going to be like, there was a guy at the show in blah, 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 who told me that he wants one of these. And they're going to go through those business cards, and they're going to remember you wrote something on it, and then boom, yep. make that score. That's awesome. Yep. And I keep a, and I, I have a colorful one that's also my QSL card for ham radio, but it's got, you know, whatever you need, you put on there. Nice. What is Ghost Tactical in here? What a two-bit <laughs> promote the... the Ham radio, cash cards. <laughs> and, uh, Shameless self-promoter. <laughs> wait, wait, wait until my next item comes up, which would be have a radio of some kind. 
And it doesn't have to be a ham radio. It could be an FRS radio because there are people talking on those FRS radios and you could be scanning and you could be listening. It could even be the security. So you could be on their frequency listening to what's going on. And if something happens, you might know before anybody else, before the screen start. That's a, a good one. Uh, cycle. You want to throw anything in here? Jump back in. We're going around. We're again. going around again. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I lost the uh, phone connection there. Well, I was going to talk about the list because you know me and lists. Um, the other thing I bring is I bring a carabiner with me, and that way when I have a bag like like I use a cloth bag with handles, I can hang it off my belt or off my belt loop, and I don't have to carry the damn thing the whole time. Assuming I'm not buying like bricks of ammunition. That's a great point. Here, I'm going to throw this out there. I don't know, but I'm, I'm crazy, maybe. But I would dig into a gun show, especially Wanamaker, with just plain old money. And if I bought something that was big, that would be an excuse to buy a new bag. And then I would start looking for a bag. <laughs> I've done that before. <laughs> when I was younger, I didn't have my bags. You know, I didn't have good bags. And now I would basically buy bags based off what they looked like or how cool they were, how cheap they were. And they'd fall apart eventually because most of them were like Eastern European military crap. Yeah. Um, something that I tend to always carry with me, but especially I make a note when I'm going to a gun show, because like we talked about earlier, having to disarm my sidearm is I almost always carry a blade, you know, um, and usually I'll bring one of my nicer Bowie knives because I might even trade it. Mm-hmm. What is a who is carabiner? You guys don't know what a carabiner is? Like, I always leave one on. Well, it's not. Oh, never mind. Caught me. I don't have it on the side of my bag. Uh, an S hook. It's another good one. You guys use S hooks? Carabiner is a, is a circle that is used in rappelling or mountain climbing. So it's like a piece of rope uh, accessory. Here we go. This is a carabiner. There you what go. Got a little. And you can get them that are like. For show and for keys and then you can get them that are super deluxe but at a gun show you can definitely get them and uh like like i'll say you can turn your belt into a, a hands-free device right so two things they're they're both kind of the same um i definitely have been to shows where you put your hand into something like cosmoline or something like that so uh baby wipes maybe that's just an extension of me having kids i've got a little you know kind of uh, plastic container that I have baby wipes in and hand sanitizer because mm. shows you can get super sick from whatever crud people have people in large uh, groups you get exposed to all kinds of new germs that you wouldn't be exposed to so hand sanitizer is really good for that whole thing and, and baby wipes etc you can see the reason <clears throat> That's true. it's not like you're touching a bunch of people but you're picking up stuff that a bunch of weird people have been caught oh yeah they just you know rub their nose and then pick up a gun and then you're or whatever and then your hands are on it next you don't know who was touching what and if it's wet guess what <laughs> yeah uh depending on the size of the show i bring lunch okay no, that's a great point especially if you're set up there like a lot of guys are going to be you know show you know, for gun channels um Oh, that was Cycle saying he's not going to come back. Um, those guys are all getting late, though. I think it's 12.30 for them, so or maybe even later. So uh, I think thanks to them for jumping in. And uh, we'll be with them, I think, tomorrow at 10.30, it sounds like. 
Um, I don't think I can watch his Instagram thing. That's the problem with Instagram. You, you have to watch it from a phone. But we'll figure out something and uh, try to be with them when they're at the factory or at the uh, J.M. Davis Museum tour tomorrow. Um, Dan, what were you saying about... Uh, if it's depend, depending on the size of the show, I bring lunch. Lunch, right. So if you're setting up at the show, you get raped. Like those, those, they were acting like they didn't mind paying a night strikes in here. It was insane amount of prices for those sandwiches and stuff at that show. Yeah. All I got was a hot dog and that was like four bucks. And uh, yeah, so in compared to what, you know, whatever normal price to just bring your own grub, yeah. And then having snacks and stuff. And I bring more than I'm going to need in case it's boring. And then that way I don't need them all. But then that way there's... That is by definition issue. Oh, issue. I bring water also. That's kind of a no-brainer, right? Oh, yeah. I like like uh, small bars. Throw a bunch of these in just in case. Because the food there kind of... You know, some shows the food sucks. So yeah, that, that kind of stuff is good, too. Those bars are super dense. And they can get smashed, mangled in a bag. And the bags... Yeah made for like mountain or you know hiking and shit so the little bag it's in is durable it doesn't get all smashed into your gear and get all over everything yeah um also for the social media people uh some kind of power brick i generally have a power brick and this is the kind that can do a laptop um or a tablet or a phone and so i generally bring that because i don't know what it is about being in, in an area with lots of cell phones, your battery dies really fast and you can't, <laughs> it just seems to drain. So I always come prepared with extra battery. Is it because it's always searching for signal? Or, it it or probably is that. It's just overloaded. Bandwidth yeah. is used up. Yep. That's that's probably exactly what's happening. Um, but regardless, yeah, that's something to bring. Uh -huh. I'll sometimes bring gloves with me, especially if I know I'm searching for older stuff. Uh, yeah. Because... You know, cheap pair of latex disposable gloves, super handy. This sounds really dumb, but um, a whistle. <laughs> a whistle. So if you're in a big crowd of people and you're getting trying to get found by somebody, just toot on the whistle and they'll come find you. You know what I mean? Like you can be on the phone like, where are you? Well, you can't just wave, right? That's going to take forever. It depends on how big the group is, but they, they weigh nothing. You can put it in your pack. Nothing. Yeah, and they get the kind without stupid ball in there. Those little aluminum ones, you get them for a dollar with a little carabiner at the dollar store. They're awesome. They're super loud. They don't take any effort. And, yeah, two little toots, and somebody locates you real quick. And if you get raped, you can blow on it. Yeah. Um, some kind of wrench or multi-tool, a small one, also good in case you got a something you want to take apart or you want to you if they let you you want to open up see the action of the of the you know because if it's a rifle depending on how it's built you may have to pull a pin or whatever and to get into it so you could see if it's not you know all rusted out or worn i don't know about somebody being like yeah sure take your wrench to my shit no problem no nah, you know what i mean <laughs> but uh when you're talking about the gloves i never thought about that but at a show like wanamaker where it's a bunch of olden day stuff and you're seriously looking at something you know, it's going to be super expensive or rare. Uh, I imagine walking up with a pair of gloves on gives them a little more confidence that you're not about to just, you know, mess up their gun, getting all kinds of oils on it and stuff. Oh, and that's, I learned that actually from knife shows because a lot of knife makers don't want yeah, you touching their stuff and leaving prints yep. on the blades. Oh, that's a good idea. Yep, that's a really good point. Damn good uh -huh. point. Um, Caleb on the YouTube site is asking, what do the hotels run down there? Are they pretty packed for the show? Um, let me go back to the map here. 
<clears throat> and I'll screen share. So it's in Tulsa, and as we zoom out, Tulsa is sort of a square and sort of two roads going in an X. So as they make that X there, it's this big splotch right here. This is the fairgrounds. So this is downtown Tulsa, and there's like a casino over here, and Oral Roberts University is down here. So there's hotels kind of all around here, and it kind of is like a bullseye. So as the closer you are to the fairgrounds, the more packed, uh, the more booked ahead of time the hotels are. So when we stayed, uh, or when the group from Gun Channel stayed last time, they were like this far away. And they were able to get a block of rooms in a hotel for $80 a night. So two people could share a room for 40 ish I think. Night Strike, you were there. Is that what am I right about the prices? Uh, the, the place we stayed, no. Uh, was more expensive than that. Well, sell me the damn prices. I thought it was 88 I forget what it was, but I know I, I, I stayed four or five days there and it was like 400 bucks. So it's closer to a hundred bucks a night. Were you in your own room li li living like a king by myself? Yes. Because <laughs> I don't trust any of you guys. So you were in your own room. So you have no idea. Well, you paid 400 bucks for five days. So it's more like 50 bucks a person. ish. Probably. Yeah. We're out. Um, these guys are out in a town called Claremore where the museum is that we're talking about tomorrow. And more importantly, where, where Hugo's is and uh, it might be cheaper out there because of the you know it's nowhere near any of the usually it's like sports or some kind of convention center you know that the hotels go up you know when they're closer to that kind of thing so being out by you know a suburb of Tulsa I imagine the hotels might be a little cheaper so I don't know what price range you're looking for there but um, yeah, I'm paying 60 but for a single by yourself? Yeah. Oh, oh I forgot you're in here. Dang it. Thanks, because you're actually there. Do you remember what it was last year? Or are you in, like, Night Strike? Seems like, to me, I paid right around $80, $85 a night for a single room. And it was a suite. So. That was at the same hotel, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's what I I was right across the aisle from Night Strike, yeah. So that you paid eighty eight bucks a night. Night Strike paid a hundred bucks a night. Night Strike also rate? waited. No, he got the group rate, but he waited until like the the last day to make a reserve reservation. That's probably what it was. Oh, I was gonna say maybe you need to talk to Gary's uh, travel agent. Uh, I may have to. Was my travel agent. <laughs> right, now, but that gives you an idea of what we're talking. It's not an insignificant amount of money. I mean, it's a uh, it's a uh, pretty penny and travel of course and time off from whatever you would normally be doing for those days probably making money so it's a significant investment um you guys that have been there though obviously you're uh, gary you must think it was worth it you're back again oh yeah it's worth it definitely if you get the chance come i wish i had brought like an rv or a, or a sleeper van instead well, we're talking, you know, we're potentially going to look at getting a house, <clears throat> a house that has, you know, multiple bedrooms and hopefully a couple of bathrooms, uh, something like that so that we can, uh, again, all kind of hang out and then share uh, the kitchen kind of thing. 
make. Can't up. we just take over over Gunsnob's house? He's over there in Tulsa. He's like an hour away. He's way up here. Um, but then we get midnight, and he will cook and then clean the house when we're not there. So that would work out pretty good for us. Oh, I'm not like screen sharing, but anyway, uh, Snob is like an hour away. He's he's further than the museum. Okay. All right, so anybody else have anything to throw in with what you always bring to a gun show? Um, it's not a gun show thing because most gun shows are indoors, but if there's parts that are outside, I bring like some kind of sunblock too. That's just me. Well, okay. But that would be anywhere you go outside. Yeah, but if you're going to be in prolonged, you know, just walking around shooting the shit with people. I was a loud knuckle crack and like you turned on your mic, Sarge. <laughs> Sorry. So I've got one more round we could do, but I don't know if, you know, we don't need to keep everybody up. We could always do it on another show. It's, that's the advantage of doing a show every single day. Um, but if you guys are awake and you want to do one more, we could do something else here uh, and then we'll wrap it up. But uh, we've been talking about the gun show, specifically the Wanamaker show. Gary is there right now. A uh, bunch of other people are meeting up from gun channels and representing, really, social media. Uh, they're representing the new media because, honestly, I'm sure uh, Wanamaker doesn't know what gunchannels.com is specifically. They understand that there's a bunch of people with cameras who are interested in promoting the show and the vendors and the concept of the show and uh, are doing it in an interesting way and in a way that uh you know is an advantage to them so they're allowing us to do it but uh it's a neat thing and uh i don't know like i say i'm giving you guys time to think about it do you want to do one more or wrap it up show of hands what's the uh I'm down. The topic <laughs> i'm not telling you the topic you got to oh vote. man is topic 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 all right. Well, so we got one more. Uh, and again, this is for everybody. This is this whole show is an attempt at new media. I'm not trying to be famous and I'm not certainly trying to show some radio show onto the Internet. This is hardly this kind of slop fest is not a radio show. What we're trying to do here is use the tools that are out there and encourage people to participate with us. Uh, and in this case, we're uh, talking about the text chats out there. But if you watch some of the other guys like Clover and Ghost and uh, others have used the telephones and emails and all kinds of interesting ways to uh, use these live shows like this to get interaction with the people that are watching and have you participate. But I'm going to go left to right and we'll keep going around left to right until everybody falls asleep or we run out of stuff. But uh, feel free again to participate in the chats because that keeps it going and it you know, involves everybody. So the question is, starting with Gary, Something you've seen at a gun show that you could not leave there, otherwise you would not feel good about yourself. It was either such a good deal or it was something you've always wanted or something you bought as a gift to somebody. For whatever reason, you didn't go there wanting it, needing it, or knowing you were going to find it, but you left with it. Gary. Hmm. Trying to think because I bought several things at the gun show in the spring. Oh, that's cool. Uh, we'll go around and around if we got stuff to add. So we'll just do one at a time here. Let's see. I bought 
I saw the perfect patch for Night Strike. I saw a patch that said shall not be infringed, so I had to buy that, and then I went and found him and gave it to him. Right on. It was an awesome patch, and it's on my hat all the time now. Good deal. Uh, hush. Um, it was a uh, it was a guy who was doing pins, and I was there with my dad, and he had a, a really cool big A10 Warthog pin. And I, I just had to have that. Um, I don't know why. And so I bought that. Um, the thing that I didn't buy that I was kicking myself over was back oh, no, when... No, 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 no. Ah, okay. All right, fine. fine. Uh, gun. That was a gun. But... <laughs> uh, box of GI mags that were $3 a piece. AR mags or 1911? Uh, both. I mixed... The guy had all the magazines on his table were... He said all magazines were three dollars. It was the last day of the show, and I ended up buying about eight mags for my 1911s. I didn't even bother, you know, what style they were. I'm like it, it, it'll go, and then I bought about twenty-five uh, AR mags. Was this when you whipped out your CCW, unloaded it, and just started slapping mags in it to check it? No, because I was carrying a Glock on me. <laughs> <laughs> that would be even more awkward. Nice strike. Yeah. Well, I gotta know if they fit. Um, skip me. Uh, Sarge. I'm trying to think if there was any deals that I ran into that I couldn't leave without. Or not just a deal, but maybe something that uh, was like, wow, I never thought this was so interesting, and it's five bucks, so I'm buying it, or it's 500 bucks, and I'm buying it, and it's a new area of interest, or maybe something, a gift, like you say. I bought things like me. I got talked into buying my youngest son uh, one of those little rubber band shooting guns that shot multiple rubber bands. But I didn't know he wanted it. I didn't know he wanted it. We, we we messed around with it, and it was actually pretty cool because you could load. It had like a little wheel. And like a little cog in the back, like a gear. You put a rubber band on it, you cock it back. You put another one, you cock it back, and it ended up it could shoot like, I don't know whether it was 10 or 15 or, or 20 rubber bands. Every every time you pull the trigger, it'd pull, it would fire another one as that little wheel turned and let it go. That was kind of, I didn't know I wanted that, but I bought it. <laughs> and that's usually like impulse, right? A couple of bucks? No, no, it was like thirty-five bucks, but yeah, it was impulse. Okay. Didn't know we wanted it, but it was pretty dang cool. No, my question is, I've always because I don't have kids running around, and if I buy stuff like that, it's always a crapshoot. You know, if I'm gonna get in trouble or not for buying a kid a gun. So I would think that it'd be neat because the kid would figure out how it works. So it's giving them a little bit of mechanical, you know, clever. You know, in mm -hmm. you know, those things are kind of skeletonized usually. Plus, like, you know, they're kind of fun. So I'm wondering, I guess my question is, how long before it got, you know, just put in the closet? Like, was it something that they used a lot, or is it come and go? Uh, it's it's still around here somewhere. But, you know, something like that, you had to go pretty quick. I mean, he used it for, well, I mean, a month or two. And then it's still here somewhere. I and mean, that was like, you know, six or seven years ago. So it's still here somewhere. Right on. I figure it's kind of thing, you know, if you, it's kind of thing. Like if I bought that with my cousin at a gun show and we got into shooting each other with them, you know, that boom, it might be the next, you know, we do that every time we meet for Christmas or something. And then it's like part of the tradition, or it could be the kind of thing where you never see it again after that show. That's around. 
Cool. Yeah, I've known a couple of places that have done them, and some of them are neat. Like, you can do different modes. Like, if you pull the trigger, they all unload, and they load in different ways. Sometimes, like, double barrel, they'll have two little cogs back there. Yeah, they're kind of neat. And that's the kind of local stuff. Somebody with a laser cutter nowadays or something can make those. Uh, I guess I will go with my Spetsnaz machete. I was just, I didn't even have money, really. But uh, I was at a show, and kind of farting around. I think it was helping somebody working at a show, kind of getting into the show for free by helping them watch the table while they went and ate kind of thing, and just kind of farting around the show looking. And this guy who almost always has stuff that I can't afford, he like overprices things, in my opinion, uh, but has a not, lot of neat bringbacks and uh, Vietnam era stuff, um, surplus stuff and ordnance and whatnot. He had this Spetsnaz uh, survival machete looking thing that you know, used to be in the back of magazines all the time, and now they're just outrageous prices. And they had it for—I won't say the price because I, I like people to not hate me—but uh, at a price where even without money, I was able to afford it. It was a ridiculous price, and I double—I double checked. I mean, I don't want to, you know, offend anybody or have them feel bad at the end of the show that they put the wrong price tag on something, you know, or get in trouble with somebody who really was doing the prices. And I'm like, is this the price for real? Yep. So I bought the hell out of that real quick. Uh, Joseph saying a Smith and Wesson fifty nine oh six for three hundred bucks. Not bad. Best deal I ever found. Nobody saying nothing on the gun channel side. We don't even have green dots over there. I think we outlasted everybody on gun channels. Uh, Gary, if we go around again, got more? Uh, a pair of mechanics wear gloves. I saw a display. And I liked them, but I never saw that color, so I picked up a pair of them. Price an issue? Like, were they cheaper, or wasn't a deal? Uh, 20 bucks, which is cheaper than buying them from their website. And you didn't have to pay the shipping. <laughs> I know. And a lot of times, there's no tax at a show, right? That's always a plus. That's, that's right. I think we talked about it before, but always cash, 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 cash. Everybody always likes cash, and you can almost always get a better deal if you got cash, especially if you peel your 20s off really slow and act like you're, like it's hurting you. <laughs> uh, Hosh, stuff you did buy and didn't buy is a whole other topic. Uh, hemostats. Those little clicking hemostats. Um, I used those for many, many things. Now, you, <laughs> and there was a you went to a gun show and you never even knew they were a thing you could buy or yeah exactly yeah exactly like i didn't realize that oh you can get like because hemostats are like a medical item like little clampy things for closing skin up and you know closing down an artery or whatever and uh yeah they had all kinds of different sizes and i got the little little itty bitty well i've gotten many more now but the first time i was like oh man this would be perfect for doing models or whatever i was doing as a kid i was like oh that's amazing they're like really precise needle in those pliers and you can hold it there and you can kind of lock it in place if you're super gluing something or whatever. Dude, that's one of those things that I'm glad you brought that up and we're talking about gun shows and we're nerding out. Um, but when I was a kid, like I only ever saw those things on like MASH or like a movie or something, right? So we knew what they were, but you never seen them. And then, well, I happen to hang around with a lot of paramedics, so I was around them, but I always wanted them and they weren't just like giving them away. So it's not like you had tons of them. So seeing them at gun shows was like about the only time you could see them, maybe at a surplus store or something. But uh, they were few and far between. You could buy those surgical kits, which had a pretty decent set of stuff in it. But there wasn't like garbage versions. There was just nice stuff. It was all German. And like, again, if like a hospital was going out of business, somebody might surplus a bunch out. 
or you could get military surplus stuff. But then over the years, that changed, and all the Chinese stuff started coming over and the cheap stuff. And now you can get those things for like a buck a pair, and there's no excuse to not have pretty decent selection. Have a couple of those different sizes and different angles of the blades or whatever you call the jaws, um, you know, in different toolboxes and around the house because they're super useful, really. These are Pakistani. Yeah, the Pakistani ones. When those started hitting the market, that, that was really a big thing. And yep. you start to see people that would just come with like a big table of little bins of all the different sizes and shapes and whatnot. Can I do another one really quick since it's kind of in the same area? He's saying, how do they get away with no tax on the YouTube side? Because a lot of times they're out in the county. So they're at like the fair, fairgrounds or in like a, a center or something that's out away from the city taxes. I was going to say, too, since I was at the hemostat area, my dad, I found the hemostats, but he went crazy for, like, the drill bits. And sometimes, I don't know, there's, like, tool guys that show up a lot of times at shows. Particularly in California, we get a lot of, like, smattering of other stuff. Um, hardened steel tool bits or just hardened steel rotary tools, stuff like that show up. It's, like, awesome. Yeah, we got a, a lady that will show up with sometimes her husband, but usually the lady uh, this one show in Tucson, and she'll have an island, not an island, half island, like an end cap. So she'll have like the two tables and the, you know, the end, and she'll set up all antique tools. So it's neat to look at and stuff, but the problem is she likes shellacs everything. So I'm, I'm more of like, I'd rather have oh, it. Oh, man. Whatever, but it is neat. And, you know, the old planes and saw blades and just neat stuff that they kind of handmade back, basically back in the day. Is she in like the home decor kind of segment? Oh, yeah. no, These no, are no. not like restorable tools. They're like the same guy oh, who pulls, who sells the, like dirt yeah. guns, the, the found guns. Those are like decor items, right? No, it depends on who you talk about. But this is definitely that type of person. Yes, somebody okay. not for the just. You know, I'm not going to say that's a ladies thing because I think anybody who's making any kind of cool, you know, trying to put some neat stuff up to look at, it would look cool. I mean, like say tools are yeah. awesome things. And these could be salvaged. You could wipe the shellac off of them and use them as tools. It's just that you'd have to wipe the shellac off of them. I don't know why she'd do it because we're in Arizona. Nothing gets rusty here. Point yeah, I, the shellacking of tools is a problem. <laughs> don't do that, particularly must, your axe handles. It just must be for the look because she does it like to a bunch of the things like axe handle or axe heads and uh, what should I say, the chisels and things like that that look neat. I um, got one more for you guys before I leave. Okay. Um, firefighter's jacket, one of the old leather heavy jackets. Oh shit! I bought a fire hat, like a helmet. Like That's that cool. Yeah. yeah, like a leather hat. You got a leather hat, Gio? No, 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 just the plastic firefighter. Okay. Mine has a big ass visor on it. Is all looks like yeah. emergency. Oh, what the hell is it? No, emergency. That was the name of the show, right? Yeah, it was a. It was a it was, I've never seen a firefighter's jacket. That would be cool as shit. It was a great score. I picked it up for ninety. And uh, yeah, it was a great jacket and it worked for me for many, many years. They had to weigh like a hundred pounds on them. They do, but they are great for working dogs. <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Cool. Uh, all right, guys. Good night. Work comes early. Night strike. Kind of yeah, most of the th most things I buy at gun shows are, are mostly just the stuff you you need anyways if you're a gun owner. You know, like more ammunition, uh, you know, parts, and uh, you know, magazines. So, that's all I that's all I buy at gun shows because 
most of the gun shows in South Carolina suck. Well, that's definitely a whole other show, but uh, I hear you. Commodities is a foundation of gun shows. I mean, it is a place to get stuff that local stores don't bother or can't have the variety of. So, Do you think that, well, I mean, this is probably another topic in itself, but do you think that a lot of the websites are killing shows or eBay for the collectibles, the non-gun stuff? Killing gun shows? Yeah. Obama killed gun shows. <clears throat> His executive yeah. actions uh, disrupted everything. Because I remember going to gun shows to get <laughs> uh, magazine rebuild kits. That was my uh, in California, right? We couldn't couldn't get the standard capacity magazines. We had the limited magazines, but you could get a rebuild kit, and the rebuild kit was basically the full magazine just taken apart, and so you could buy the whole thing. And then you had a standard capacity magazine. And so that was a law. They killed that. So that that's done. That was a reason why a lot of people went to the gun shows because you can't really, I mean, there was gun websites you could buy that stuff off of, but it wasn't like, you didn't really want it shipping through the mail. You wanted to go pay cash for it kind of thing. Right. And then see if it's reputable or see if it's a part you wanted. Um, I don't know about your specific situation in California. Obviously, you're known for your gun shows. You got some of the best gun shows we've ever I know, had. That's crazy. Are coming out of California, obviously with uh, um, the history of firearms. A lot of it comes out of California. The development of training and and uh, all the competitions and stuff. A lot of California influence there uh, the, on the coast. So all the stuff that's been imported from Asia uh, comes through California, or a lot of it came through California. So massive history and everything but like i say your laws and everything it's all crazy now but i could do but uh in general damn it um i was reading the side chat there we were talking about what were we talking about it's late and i got sidetracked uh items that you found at the guns guns uh show that you weren't planning on buying but you could not leave without owning it oh the commodities and at night strike said uh the, the the gun shows were bad i was gonna say follow through with uh obama killed the gun shows in my opinion with his 23 executive actions which rallied everybody to uh resist that but it also kind of disrupted uh the um the market i guess is the word because everybody started going nuts with purchasing and then coincidentally question mark tinfoil hats where are you people uh there was a fire at an ammunition factory and 22 ammo was scarce nine millimeter ammo became scarce and 223 became scarce gun shows became the places for uh the non-brick and mortar places that uh the companies that could acquire the ammunition and distribute it through the gun shows and the uh, the, the attendees at gun shows changed from individuals go in there to uh, learn and to explore and to collect uh to just gun owners go in there to acquire commodity base commodity ammunition uh so with the uh, loss of the attendees that had any like diversity uh the people that showed up at the shows dwindled and gun shows were affected to, you know badly ever since and there's their whether or not they'll recover ever is uh up in the air but they're certainly not dead but they're struggling more than they probably have in a long long time if not ever well then there was also the ban on seven and six as well well that barely touched gun shows as much as obama's messing with the whole uh market really 
and then like i say with the, the scarcity of ammunition there for a while and everybody coming on board it was just a weird weird double whammy that we went through as a, a bunch of gun owning community and if you remember 13 and 14 and you know this the difficulty acquiring ammunition and to some extent parts and things you know it was weird yeah i was looking then <laughs> we're having an excellent time on the internal so uh if you ever want to join one of these shows you get a whole nother layer than watching it or even watching it on the gun channel side the real actions happening behind the scenes there guys uh Hosh is showing his radio there and i you mentioned before the scanning concept uh, i had a lot of fun i've always had a lot of fun with uh radios when they can scan so oh uh, yeah and it's you don't need a special license or anything to listen however i'm not going to recommend buying a ham radio just so you can listen you can buy scanners at radio shack or whatever the equivalent is now uh for a little money or on ebay you could buy an old scanner that's awesome and uh you know if you're sitting in a parking lot or something or at a show uh, just put an earbud in and listen uh, to the walkie-talkies because the security will have walkie-talkies. Sometimes the parking people or the police that might be there are all chattering, and you know they're human beings. So if they have radios and ability to chat, they're going to end up talking about interesting stuff besides yeah. just you know, just day-to-day -day stuff. And sometimes it's funny or interesting. Real quick, uh, I don't know the model number of this, but this Udenden takes uh, AAA batteries. It's just an FRS radio. And a lot of the time, the security guys are using FRS radios if they're not using Baofangs, which a lot of them have moved to Baofangs, and they're illegally transmitting on handbands. But uh, this scans, and really, you get a lot of stuff um, on the on the family bands if you just listen to that when you go to a any place with a lot of people. There's always some kind of radio that you can listen to, so you can hear all kinds of insider information. You can do the same at sporting events, right? Races, yeah. air shows, yeah. super needed air shows. Yeah, a lot of, uh, you know, sporting events, Disneyland is a big culprit of this. They won't, if they see you have a radio, they won't let you in with it. They want you to go put it back in your car because they don't want you listening to them. Disneyland uses digital. They've moved, they're basically like police officers. They all have digital radios um, and they they don't like anybody listening to their, their traffic because they've got a pretty hardcore security system at Disneyland, huh. believe it or not. Did you say the Baofangs are illegal now? Uh, I did not, but it's illegal. So people buy Baofangs because they're cheap and they illegally use them on frequencies that they shouldn't ah. be using them on. Um, yes. So they're not licensed, but the radio, th that's a whole nother, you can go watch my videos. I made a video on the FCC recently came out with a bulletin that, that kind of makes them illegal in certain cases. Uh, but generally you shouldn't be using a radio outside of privileges that you have, um, have received and you know if you have them because you worked and you got them you either paid money or you took a test so if you pick up a radio that's not a family radio then you you could be breaking a log if you could transmit on it but it's not like you're doing something that can be easily triangulated by like a hundred nerds that are thirsty to triangulate where you are illegally broadcasting if you do it enough it's you get you get your ass triangulated the fcc Believe it or not, they have FCC vans and FCC equipment for triangulating uh, signals. So that's that's a real thing. And hams do it if you mess with the ham bands. The, I, I have seen SUVs show up that can find your cell phone and block every other cell phone 
in an area and just light yours up and find you. I've seen it. Very cool. If there's somebody they're looking for, they can shut That's down a neighborhood. not the FCC. <laughs> That's a different agency. <laughs> they can shut down the neighborhood and just light yours up. <laughs> and there you are. That's legit. I think so that's always, you know, if you go so that that goes back to the items to have if you go to a guns show, um, have a burner cell phone. Have a cell phone that you can just, <laughs> you know, that's not tied to your uh, your address or your business name or whatever, then you can just ditch it if they start coming to find you. <laughs> just watched uh, I think it's episode or the season three or four of Better Call Saul. Yeah. Have you been watching that show? Has anybody been watching that show? I, I, I haven't watched the last season. It's on Netflix. I got to go watch it. Well, I'm behind, I guess, one season or two. Right, it's the season where he gets into the burner phones. Have you seen that season? Mm. No. Okay. But yeah, that's funny that you said that because I just got done watching that the other day. I mean, I could do a whole video on the Mexican cartel and their elaborate communication systems. They're, it's, they're amazing. They're like military. They're a paramilitary crazy communications that they have set up. Uh, fly-by-night repeaters that they can pull down all solar panel are just crazy. But yeah, it's similar kind of concept, you know. All right. Well, so we were talking about Wanamaker and uh, the Gun Channel's folks that are showing up to uh, enjoy the show, to uh, help uh, share the show with the world via the internet on all the different platforms and all the different ways that they're going to be doing it. Uh, starting tomorrow, they'll be at the J.M. Davis Museum uh, doing the tour and then going on some other adventures it sounds like uh we'll uh follow along with them live over on gun channels and on guntube.org and the other platforms like gun streamer and that other one that's around and uh i don't know anybody else want to plug anything Got anything coming up sarge when's your next show you doing one saturday uh, we did one tonight earlier, and then we're going to do one again next Thursday, the, the next Thursday on the calendar, um, whatever day that is. I forgot. Like the 15th, maybe? Uh, at 9 p.m. East. So that's what we'll be doing, Thursday at 9 p.m. East. And check out my Will 9mm Overpenetrate video just put out yesterday morning. And that's shooting through drywalls and stuff? Yep. Uh, night Strike. Uh, just check us out every Tuesday nights nine o'clock on the Night Strike One channel on YouTube. Uh, hit or miss Tuesday nights nine o'clock. I heard that if you can get up to fifteen bucks a month on Patreon, you're going to get a fifty-six K modem for GunTube. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I was going to get a ninety-six hundred baud. Well, those steps will get you there. I'll keep a, I'll keep an eye out at the ham radio swap meet for you there. Um, yeah, right. Gary, you're uh, planning on any broadcasts, or are you just going to play it by ear, or you got anything planned? I uh, don't have any pl plan, but don't be surprised if I don't go live sometime over the weekend. I'm pretty sure I will, and I'm, then I'm going to be recording some content for later on, too. So uh, a little bit of both from all of us, I'm sure. Right on. I don't know if I got a chance when those guys were all in here, but I'll say it again. If they need any help, like having somebody set up a hangout that they can then jump into, like we can send you guys links and your phones or whatever's easier uh, so that you don't have to go through all the you know hassle of setting it up. Just text, let us know. Uh, there's, you know I'm sure people will be over on Gun Channels watching and uh, okay. set that up. Otherwise, have good. Thanks for having me. 
have a good show, and uh, thanks for sharing it with everybody. Thank you. Um, I'm going to do this, of course, at the last possible moment of the show when we've got literally eight viewers. So assuming that you guys are watching the show, there's three other people out there. But just for perpetuity or perpetuity, whatever the damn word is, um, got a bunch of new stuff over at the gear website store. It is officially tomorrow, so it means it's free, fri free patch Friday. Um, I didn't get the store set up after the tour until just the other day. And the patches came in this week, so... Uh, we did a big patch batch uh, this year where I did 10 different designs all at once. And uh, that was pretty cool. It's kind of risky uh, doing a bunch of stuff like that at once. And it was kind of a pain in the ass, but it was uh, worth it, I think. A bunch of cool patches and uh, turned the store back on. Uh, all the inventory should be up. Well, it is up to date and gave it a little bit of a paint job. So, uh, um, Anytime you buy anything over uh, $25 or more, you're going to get a free patch. You don't have to have any kind of coupon or uh, promotional code or remember anything. That just happens. And then it's incremental. So if you do buy something worth 100 bucks or something, uh, you're going to get four free patches. Uh, we do that to say thanks for the people that purchase over there because that keeps our projects online. It keeps us on the road when we do the tours. Uh, we got some new patches, including the FU Media. Uh, and the uh, Wolverine one that will never be for sale. I don't like the idea of uh, those patches, but I like them. That, you know what I mean? I don't want to infringe on people's copyrights and make a profit off of them, but I'm more than happy to share something that I think is kind of cool. Uh, and the other one is just a little bit too vulgar, so I'm not putting that one out there for sale, but uh, I'll certainly uh, give it to people that purchase stuff. So uh, with the Free Patch Friday and with the... Uh, uh, purchases over 25 bucks. That's how you'll have access to that stuff. Uh, Patreons who uh, support us uh, and follow along on some of the stuff that we're doing on multiple platforms, uh, we'll be getting that stuff randomly as well. So uh, again, thanks to everybody who's making all this stuff possible. I said thanks to the people earlier. Uh, this has been an awesome uh, adventure, uh, not just the Wanamaker gun show, and not just the people on gun channels who are making it a whole different experience, and not just the uh, people that are, you know, make gun channels uh, possible, but the people that participate in social media in general. Um, you know, we're doing neat stuff, and I think it has value, and I believe we're, uh, you know, setting up, uh, we're doing stuff that the next generation can stand on our shoulders and, and do things a little bit easier and take on challenges that we don't even know what they've got, you know, to, to deal with. So um, hopefully we're doing stuff that's enjoyable and interesting, but also of value. So I really do appreciate the people that stick with us and uh, and all the people that are uh, members of gun channels and, and doing this kind of stuff out there from whatever uh, communities you're in. It's, uh, it's valuable and it's appreciated. Sweeping down the plain, and the waving wheat, since you're nice. sweet when the wind comes right behind the rain. 